Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Aloha, dreamers. It's time to wake up once again. This is Brendan, and you're tuned in for another exciting live broadcasted recording of Paradigm Shift Dream Class. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, of course, we are joined here tonight with some fellow amazing shifters, some conscious dreamers from across the world who are here with us. So let's all unmute our microphones and say hello to the beautiful people tuned in tonight. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Hello. Oh, my God, you're so beautiful. Yeah, I love you guys. Good evening, Internet. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning into this. And, of course, if you are new to this project, this is a very exciting sacred space that we create here through the Internet. And this is all about conscious, co-creative conversation to be able to to explore the topics related to dream exploration, metaphysics, lucid dreaming, dimensions, infinity, and beyond. And of course, you can check out more at the main website, paradigmshiftcentral.com, to tune into previous broadcasts, casts, broadcasts of the Paradigm Shift Dream class, as well as well as all sorts of other broadcasts that we have in the community, and all sorts of amazing things through the network that you can use, and you can use to create your own quest journals and share your own conscious media and document the spiritual perspective from the sp your spiritual journey from your perspective. So like I said, the topic of this class is really about creating a space where we can practice talking about dreams. And this is the fourth or fifth dream class that, that we have been doing since we officially started it. And every week it's neat to be able to come back to see where the conversation goes, to check in, to see where progress has developed. And knowing that this is a class to be able to help encourage each of us to bring more awareness into our dream practices. And of course we'll be talking about why we want to do that. Why do we want to bring more awareness into our dream practices and why dreams are something to be interested in general and what we can learn from them and how they teach us more about our multidimensional nature within this reality. So to begin, we'll go around the circle and we'll get people to just introduce themselves to say hello and to share a little bit about what brings them to dream class. So with that said, um, just from left to right, uh, I'd like to be able to pass it over to Harmony if, if she's if she's okay with that, and then we'll go across the board from there. So Harmony, if you would like, please introduce yourself and what brings you to Dream Class today. Hi, my name is Harmony, and um, basically what brings me to Dream Class is sharing my experiences with like-minded kindred spirits. And also gleaning some information from you guys and, and hopefully put together some more of our puzzle that we are putting together. That's what brings me here. Awesome. Thanks, Harmony. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, if you don't mind just mute, unmuting, or sorry, muting your microphone when 
your microphone's just got a little bit of extra static, FYI. Perfect. Cool. And uh, yeah, okay, so let's uh, keep going around the circle. And FYI, for those of you who are tuned in, please feel free to share the show right now. Uh, in the background, that's what I'm doing. I'm just helping get the word out about the show. So if you are one of the people tuned in live, let your friends know. And if you're tuned into the future, then of course, always reminding you to be able to share this show and other shows with your friends. So we'll pass this talking stick over to Justin, a.k.a. Icarus Kid. And uh, go ahead, Justin, introduce yourself and what brings you to Dream class. And we'll just give Justin a second there to check his microphone and if it's not working then we'll just pass it over to Kyle and uh, we'll do that. So Kyle, uh, we'll let you jump in and Justin can jump in in a second. So Kyle, go ahead. You can introduce yourself next. What's going on everybody? And tuned into the uh, dream class right now. I'm Kyle. Um, been with this program for a little while. Just really enjoy what Brendan's doing, and I decided to get involved with it myself. It's kind of like a felt a natural calling to it, as it's just sort of part that has now become a piece of the universe that has now become highly integrated into my life, and I like it. I think it's awesome. So, yeah, that's why I'm here. And uh, here in dream class, per se, exactly. I'm just, I don't know. Me, personally, I have a hard time recalling my dreams. I guess I know that I go there. I know what happens. But recall is the issue. Sometimes it just takes me a while to, you know, sometimes I try and focus on it in the morning. But I do have, a, um, I do have trouble recalling my dreams and so I guess that's one of the, the big things I try to get out of dream class is I come here with an idea that maybe something that we go over can help me uh, recall my dreams a little better Cool, definitely, and, and that's something that yeah we usually bring up within this conversation or just different some of the practical aspects related to how we can be able to remember our dreams more. And, uh, I mean, yeah, we'll go over those throughout the broadcast. But, again, if people are new to this, definitely go back and check out previous broadcasts because you're always going to find unique conversations and tips and tricks within that. But we will intend to cover some of the basics within this class as well. And uh, I know one of the popular topics we're, we're always getting into is, like, yeah, what are some of the ways that we can better recall our dreams? And one of the ones that I always go back to is the, uh, the, the yin and yang push and pull between... Uh, uh, those who choose to work with cannabis and the effects that that has on dream recall. So if that's something that relates to you, then stay tuned because we'll talk more about that as well and also get in some personal experiences also. So cool. Thanks, Kyle. And um, we'll pass it over to Justin. Justin, did you want to check in, see if your microphone's working? And if so, please introduce yourself. And we'll give him a second there. Justin, if you can hear us, maybe just try uh, rejoining the Hangout if for whatever reason it's not working. So we'll um, keep moving along and we'll pass it over to Matthew. And uh, Matthew, welcome to Dream Class. Please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what brings you to Dream Class. Good evening and good morning, wherever you guys may be. Um, a lot of you guys may know me on the internet as the mystic. Um, I am a energy channeler um, and a facilitator of what's called one's highest self. That would be their highest consciousness. Um, I got 
I got pulled into the class um, by Kyle um, to, I, I, I would presume, help to facilitate you and to help uh, bring better understanding to what we all know as lucid dreaming, dream recall, uh, which we all know is nothing more than another reality. So that's what brings me here. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matthew, for, for being here. And uh, yeah, this is the, the first chance that we've actually had the opportunity to get into conversation. But I mean, just based on your introduction there, I look forward to being able to, to be able to converse. And obviously, you have a, a lot to share on this topic. So thank you again for, for joining here. And yeah, we'll definitely get right into this. And once we get through the introductions, we'll, uh, we'll open the talking stick ups and we'll even just open it up to any questions that people want to ask for the group and we'll let the conversation unfold as it needs to. So Thank you again, Matthew. And uh, Michael will pass the My talk. Gratitude. Thank you. And uh, so next on the around the circle, we'll pass it over to our good friend Michael Brazel, who's uh, one of the one of the veterans within the paradigm shift community, who a lot of you are familiar with. And uh, Michael, good to see you again. Thank you so much for being here. And please introduce yourself. Absolutely. So I'm Michael Brazel. For those of you who don't know me, um, I am a practicing witch and. I study and practice the Anderson Fairy tradition of witchcraft. I am an intuitive medium, a blogger, a yogi, um, a wanderer. I'm here because Skull asked me to be here. <laughs> and I'm glad. You know, it's always great to, to talk about dreams and dream work and the, um, the power that our dreams have to impact us. And just recently, I started doing, um, I took a course and certification in uh, past life regressive hypnotherapy. And to see the power that even our past lives can impact and intersect with our dream world um, and what that means to us in our conscious everyday living has been a pretty um, interesting new thing that's been happening in my world. So there you have it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Michael, for, for being here. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get some of the uh, yogi witch perspectives on, on why dreams are important within the conversation. So cool. Okay, so we'll uh, keep going around the, the talking, keep passing the talking stick around the circle. And uh, next within the circle, we have uh, our friend Sherman, who has uh, recently entered the circle. So Sherman, uh, within our introductions, please feel free to introduce yourself and what brings you back to dream class? If you're just double checking if uh, Sherman may or may not have their microphone working, so Sherman, if you uh, if you are there, feel free to jump in at any point. And um, that said, we'll continue to go around the circle. And uh, KJ will uh, pass. A, are, are you, I'm not sure if you're there actually, because I know you were just tuned in. Um, but if you are there, uh, aka the uh, the wisdom lover experience, uh, if you would like to join in and uh, introduce yourself, please feel free. But if not, then that totally just means that you're listening, which is absolutely totally cool. So um, it looks like that's the case, but that's all right. So um, again, Sherman, feel free to jump in at any point. And I know Justin was probably going to rejoin in a bit. 
But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just open up the talking stick to to things within dreams. And uh, does anybody does anybody want to begin with uh, anything that they might want to ask the group related to dreams? Um, a basic one that I can ask for you guys is: Does anybody want to share any recent dreams that they have had that, in some way, they were able to recall or they felt had some significance to them? And uh, there's something I can share related to that, but I'll uh, I'll go afterwards. So has anybody had any uh, what they felt were meaningful dreams or just even any sort of basic recall that they want to practice sharing within this conversation? Feel free to jump in at this point. So Kyle, one, go, go ahead. Uh, one thing I can tell you, it's been difficult for me to recall some dreams and stuff, but um, there was one in particular that it was very, uh, it was very cool. There was a um, part that really stuck out that I remembered very vividly, and that's uh, I was sitting <clears throat> in a in a chair, like not really like in the in a jungle, but in a woodsy area, and um, this huge black panther like came out of the bushes and like stood on top of a rock, and like I was scared for a second, but I could sense no danger or or harm. Or, or anything like that, and it just climbed down from the rock and, like, came over by me and actually, like, kind of, sort of, like, I was in a chair, you know, and it sort of, like, crawled underneath the chair through my legs, and I was like, what? It was crazy. So, um, that's obviously, like, a totem or something I haven't fully researched into, but... That was a cool sign, I guess. It was very, very interesting one. Yeah, did you have any, like, feeling associated with that dream? Because, I mean, it's oftentimes that we, like, we've talked about this before, but, like, if we can, like, associate how that dream made us feel, then sometimes that can give us, like, more direction and insight. Um, uh, very empowered. Very empowered. Because seeing the seeing this beast, you know, this majestic creature, um, in the way that it was presenting itself, it was very, <clears throat> you know, like I said at first, it was frightening and startling. But then it was actually very calming to be in the presence of. So, you know, I was very intrigued and. And awe-inspired. There was there was inspiration about it, about the feel. It was it was inspiring and, and kind of uplifting. It then you know, being in that area and being in the presence, like feeling calm with the beast or whatever. And it was very inspiring. It was very brought a lot of, I guess, like courage. Yeah, I think that in itself is a great topic. The idea of like how dreams can evoke courage uh, within like whatever it is that we experience within them. Um, does anybody, if at this point anybody else, just feel free to jump in. You know, if ideas pop into your mind, or if anybody has any relative uh, experiences that they want to share. But I think the idea of of, of being able to like have acknowledgement of latent courage coming forth in our dreams is a is a very empowering thing and. And I mean, yeah, you know, we always talk about the idea that, like, 
dreams are there to show us more of ourselves. They're there to sort of help us activate into more of who we are. And so it would make sense that, you know, every now and then, like from like the higher up perspective, dreams are going to give us these things to say like, hey, like don't forget, you know, this is inside of you. Like this courage is there. This courage is latent. And sometimes you need to be like faced with a danger, faced with a threat that may not always appear to you in the physical reality, but can come forward into the dream space that will activate, that will bring forth that courage like sometimes you know sometimes courage is like something that just like rises out of necessity and it's not until that necessity is in there in the first place that we sort of realize that the courage is, is already inside of us has anybody ever had any experiences um, that they'd like to share related to courage that they have uh, felt within a dream or like any sort of empowering dream that they would want to share something that they might be able to remember um, and we'll just give a second there if anybody wants to jump in. <laughs> possibly, possibly not. It's kind of, I know it's kind of like challenging sometimes where it's just like, <laughs> it's like hard to even always recall like all the dreams we have. But I mean, I'd like to think that in some way, like all of us have had dreams where there have been like varying degrees of courage. But again, we're not always going to be able to directly remember them. But um, yeah, if anybody if anybody else wants to jump in related to the topic of like why dreams sort of present themselves the way they do, like do you guys do you guys feel that dreams are like presented to us for the purpose of us being able to activate? more of ourselves and, and how have you noticed that within your own relationship to your dreams? Go go ahead, K, KJ, Wisdom Lover, if you'd like. Or is that... Say, so, yeah, I, I will or, chime in. Or, go okay, go, go ahead, Matthew, and, and then um, Wisdom Lover, if you want to jump in afterwards, feel free. But Matthew, go ahead first. There, um, many many people nowadays are are starting to. Um, I've noticed a lot of people coming to me, um, talking about their dreams, and and what's happening is is the reality that we are in now is very different from the reality that we were in five years ago. Okay, as far as a, a humanity collective goes, um. In, in dealing with trying to interpret dreams or bring the dream state into your now, the now moment is always and always has been the permanent state of existence. Okay, we, we, that's a completely different topic, but we'll we'll, we'll stick with what we're talking about—the dream state. The the more people that try to interpret their dreams and bring understanding they're going to be drawn towards other people in the collective as they they start to open their awareness as well okay um, I, I've noticed uh, let's say I've, I've noticed many people are bringing bringing to the table well their high their highest fears their their uh, their deepest expressions their their things like that and they're no longer really afraid to um, attack it like you had mentioned Okay, because that's that's what happens is our high our high our highest self tries to interact with our physical self, so that we are are able to overcome the dream. And and many many people these days are coming to that awareness that, hmm, there's more to my dream than just a dream. Follow me, and then there's then they're then they're trying to put the two together. 
There's more to my reality than what I perceive. And that is bringing, that's brought out for day. That's why a lot of people have been drawn to the paradigm shift. That's why a lot of people have been drawn to research and search their own identity. Who am I? Your dreams will help you understand the true who I am. So it's when it comes to facing fears and, and, and trying to interpret dreams and dream recall, that is, a, that is not a really easy task. Um, that, that's, that's something that you've got to work out every day, day in and day out. But it's up to the individual. For sure, for sure. Um, does anybody want to go in response to anything Matthew said? Feel free to jump in, like I opposed to just like jumping on the microphone myself. If anybody else wants to jump in, but um, you guys are quiet tonight. <laughs> Again, guys, just reminding us that this place, um, the space that we use for this, is a good place. It's really just all about practice. So I mean, no, no pressure, guys. And again, you know, just kind of popcorning, popcorning, popcorning. Yeah, that's the right word. Popcorning ideas around, and you know, just like having fun with it. But I mean, yeah, you know, like I'm not hesitant to get really into some multi-dimensional stuff related to this. And I mean. One thing that I do want to talk about within this broadcast is um, my recent experience uh, working with five grams of sacred mushrooms and how that actually, for me, really brought in more awareness as to like what the dream space is, realizing the the correlation between like this reality and the dream space as like one continuous thing. Like it's it's literally n not this idea of like there's the waking state and then there's like the dream space and they're two separate things and they're not related. Like they're literally one of the same things. They're part of like a single gradient. And like within the um, experience that I had working with like five grams mushrooms, there it was like blatantly obvious for me that like it was, you know, it felt like I was in a waking dream. And that wasn't just, and that's something that other people who do mushrooms might just sort of say like that in a way that they think they're crazy. They're just like, they're just like, oh my god, I can't tell if this is real or not. And they think it's like a side effect of the quote unquote hallucinations. But I, I think that that's actually because like, you know, we're dissolving the perception that sort of convinces us a hundred, like, you know, in common waking reality most of the time that this is like its own solid state. Like the, the waking life is like a very like consistent solid thing. The dream space is like a separate thing, but they're actually like honestly like one in the same thing. And it's a very, and, and, and it seems as if there's like only a, a very like, a very fragile thing that is preventing them from just becoming... From, from like this waking state literally I'm just like turning into a dreams experience it's it is kind of hard to explain and, and I know and I'm, I'm gonna take some more practice to it but um, yeah like uh, if anybody else has anything they want to say or, or jump in on um, I think Kyle did you want to jump in on anything yeah, yeah. and uh, I was just gonna say Matthew if you can just mute your microphone when you're uh, not talking and then just open your microphone when you have something to say and I'll just help facilitate it that way that's fine Kyle go ahead that thin veil is like a foil. It's like two little membranes rubbing on each other. And there's like an electrical current, you know, that keeps them together. And that's what allow that's what you pass through. It's like a very thin layer of like void or something when you go to sleep. That's what you like you pass through. So those places that are separate that you're talking about that 
you know, when you go to that, when you go where that specific element takes you, <clears throat> and you're getting closer to that veil, and you're sort of existing in an overlapped version of it. And that's one of the things that I think is one of the reasons that I can't exactly remember some of the dreams that I'm having is because in my waking state it's become so quote-unquote lucid that it's like it's that it's just like dreaming isn't a thing it's not necessary because that's what I'm doing right now you know what I mean that space is is existent. Like it's it's it, it's hard. I think that's one of the reasons I can't remember my dreams because I'm so adept in being that close all the time that there's no need to recall a dream because when I'm there and it happens, I'm just building another part of this reality. You know what I mean? Or maybe I've just kind of told myself that, like, recalling dreams is important right now. But I don't know. It's definitely definitely what you were talking about, about those two frequencies. It's like, how are they so off? But, you know, like sometimes when you dream, you can go really, really far away. Sometimes you can just go right, to the right next door. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> um, grasping on that is... I guess a little difficult if you haven't been there in multiple different ways and seen those multiple different aspects of thought. Because when you indulge on something and you go to that level and at that dose, at that amount, that right amount, you you go far. You, you, you go where it takes you. But where it takes you is an epicenter of knowledge and wisdom. And when you return, you return with what you wish to see. With you, with, with, with what you wish to seek. So it's like he could have gone there now and, and the next time Brendan does that he's going to come back with another set of knowledge, you know? Like, it's, it's almost like it's different each time but it brings you to the same place every time. Same dimension. And that is just a higher level of thinking and process. And that is important to whole dream aspect because dreaming is just another level of aspect of, of thought process. It's just a higher level of being. You're not technically here because your body here is in rest. So <clears throat> when you sort of get to that astral place, that plane that's just right above where we are now, you know, it, it, it's just like another way of getting there. There's different ways to invoke this sort of portal, this gateway, but, you know, how you choose to do that would take you to another, to a different place each time, I guess. Unless it's with a chemical, then it takes you to the same place with a different aspect of what your intention was at the beginning, first yeah. diving in. 
Kyle, we're just going to pass it over. Harmony's got her microphone open. Harmony, go, go ahead, and, and thanks, Kyle. And yeah, it brings up a few ideas. So, Harmony, go ahead if you'd like to jump in. Yeah, one fascinating thing about lucid dreaming to me is when we finally realize that we are in a lucid state and we go to that, that realization that we have more power than we normally thought we had in the dream state. Um, for example, um, when we have a, a dream when we're um, kind of running from somebody or feeling like that victim mentality and we are trying to get away and, and our legs feel like they're in glue or or they're like you just can't move and then all of a sudden you realize oh this is a dream and then you get that, that empowered feeling where you know that because you know it's a dream that you can actually manipulate the scenario that is going to be happening to you. So, in other words, you're actually writing your experience. And I, I totally feel that that's a training, a parallel to what is happening in this waking state for um, a, a, a purpose to where we are able to overcome those limitations that are put upon us by um, programs of society and also by our own um, subconscious uh, just programs of, of, of uh, past lives and, and things of, of our environment as well. And then once we realize that we have that power and that we're able to do certain things in dream state, it also is empowering to the waking state for me because um, I personally think, you know, if we can fly in dream state, then our DNA has that capability somehow in the waking state here in this reality and also other types of interdimensional abilities and um, I personally have a, a dream where I am running from somebody and all of a sudden I realize that it's a dream and I like flip up a black hole like on the old cartoons, I don't know if you guys remember old cartoons where they, they actually flipped up a black hole into the middle of the wall and then you would step through and you were in a totally different place. And I've had dreams like that and, and then I, I remember the cartoons and I'm and it, the more I put the pieces together the more I realize that we have these abilities in this waking state and just waking up more and more every day and with each dream we become more lucid, really, I think. Yeah, um, I'll just respond to that real, real quick, Harmony. I think that's a, a beautiful point that, that you make, like, the, the idea of, like, yeah, like, things we can do within the dream space are teaching us about things that we can do in the waking state, and waking state is teaching us about things that we can do in the dream space, and, I mean, there's a whole topic there that you talked about, you know, like, with the, the black holes and how we can use that to, like, go through portals and everything, and, and this is stuff that comes up in, like, even, like, the Tibetan Book of the Dead when they're talking about, like, you know, bodies traveling in, like, the astral planes after they've died, and, and this is something, um, even if people see in the movie uh, Enter the Void, 
which is about like a, a spirit, literally from a first-person perspective, kind of traveling beyond death. You see a lot of that where they kind of like go into those little holes and it takes them through places. And I mean, there's a whole conversation there that I'd love to get into about like the things that we can do within dreams. Like I feel like there is, we're in the process of kind of remembering an instruction manual as to how to operate within the dream space. And there's literally like these little like tips and tricks and almost like not cheat codes. I mean, you could you could call them that, but like console commands and like all these little like things that we can do that help us navigate the space a little bit differently. And one thing I actually wanted to ask um, you guys in general, there's there's a couple things I want to. Um, okay, I'll just say one thing real quick, and then I, I just have a question for the group. And uh, again, if anybody else has any other questions, feel free to jump in. Um, but with something that Harmony was saying, how um, what what it reminded me of is that within the way how the dream space works it's very instantaneous in terms of like the things that come at you are actually the things that you like have asked for but you may not fully remember it but then sometimes the dream will actually check in with you to like show you like what's coming at you and be like be like do you still want this you know it's like is this what you still want and then like before it officially like integrates itself into your reality you have the opportunity to check in and to be like yeah yeah that's what I want or like, no, no, wait, I changed my mind kind of thing. And this is kind of like even going back to like law of attraction in a way. And I feel like the this waking state, we notice that. We notice that when we start getting into ideas of manifestation and things like that where, um, yeah, like reality is literally like returning our orders back to us. But before they officially come to us, we still have like even that last second to sort of decide if we want to change our mind kind of thing. Um which uh, is very interesting relative to just, like, the way how lessons come at us and our ability to, like, shift our lessons and create new lessons for ourselves. Um, so, I mean, there's probably more stuff to say on that. But one thing I was just going to ask specifically, because I was, again, going back to uh, my experience working with, like, five grams of mushrooms and, and other topics related to this, um, is related to the technique of using sound vibration and how powerful of a thing that is within this waking state and within the dream space and within the psychedelic space. And again, you know, it's because it's it's all one and the same, like in, in the sense that, you know, the dream space is like showing you, like the, the psychedelic space is like showing you a place. It's showing you what's there. And the dream space is showing you a place. And the waking state is showing you a place. And it's all just like different ways to get there. But with this with the use of sound vibration like internal sound vibration like mantras and ohms and things like that they actually have the ability to like affect the way in which you traverse the multidimensional realms like the the hyperdelic realms the inner space and so i mean i, I was going to ask if anybody has ever had any experience of working with mantras consciously within a dream and if so what happened when they did because that's something i'd love to be able to experience firsthand um harmony go ahead personal I have not had the experience, but my mom had a dream that she told me about, and it was really fascinating. It was a tidal wave dream, and we were all in this building, like on a deck, and all of a sudden, a tidal wave came through, and we, she goes, oh, it's time, you guys, and she's like, we all need to put our hands together, and we put our hands together in the middle, and then we all did an ohm. And as we ohmed, all of the water started to raise up and go backwards up into the sky. And she just gave me chills when she described this. And then she said the sun came out and everything was fine. 
and that was her dream. That was pretty amazing. That's beautiful. That's an awesome example. Again, you know, like that's that's one of the reasons for creating this dream class is just to be able to like document some of the the incredible examples of things that that can happen uh, within within dreams. Um, yeah. Does it, does anybody else want to talk about any any experiences they might have had uh, using using sound vibration either within like the dream space or even within a psychedelic experience. Um, I mean that was something that I was working with with my recent psychedelic experience was like the different tonations and, and even like Terrence McKenna talks about this and you like reach like certain pitches and you close your eyes and like those frequencies that you're creating actually carry your consciousness into like another level of the dream space. Um, so again, you know, talking about sound vibrations within dream spaces and just multidimensional travel in general. Does, does anybody else have anything that they want to comment related to that? Um, okay, Kyle, you got your microphone open. Let's just double check. Does anybody else want to jump in related to that, opposed to Kyle? Just so we're getting some additional voices in here, or just like the benefits of sound vibration mantra work related to shifting consciousness in general. Does anybody want to jump in? Andrew, go ahead. We can let you jump in on this. And welcome, welcome. Yeah, I was going to say we can do a microphone check, and yeah, we can hear okay. you, man. And welcome welcome to the class. So cool, go ahead, you. you can jump right in. Um, yeah, so throughout most of Solstice, where we recently saw each other, um, I was chanting a Tibetan Buddhist mantra, Gate, Gate, Peragate, Peresamgate, Bodhisvaha which roughly um, translates to awake, awake, beyond awake, far beyond awakening, aha, I've reached it, like, awakenedness. Um, so every spare moment of my time, I spent, like, walking through the trails and the forest chanting that. Um, and near the end of the week, it was actually, like, on Sunday, uh, after I did my shift, I took some mushrooms, and I was sitting, meditating, um, and finally, um, I got to this place where suddenly from the inside of my... And it was only like half a gram of mushroom. It's barely anything, barely enough to affect me. Um, but like through the meditation, suddenly um, this light exploded from inside my head. And I just was sitting there closed, with my eyes closed listening to the music. But I had this like bright light enlightening like my entire like vision, inner vision covered in multi-dimensional fractals and um, both um, Sanskrit and Tibetan like letters just like swarming around me in circles and like I could feel them in my heart as well. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's super cool, man. Um, just just to check in, uh, what what's uh what's your experience uh, in terms of dreaming? Do you, do you have uh, like decent recall or any lucid yeah, lucidity experience? I've always, always had extremely vivid, vivid dreams um, ever since I was a kid. Um, I've had prophetic dreams, right? Like, just, like, not prophetic dreams, like, intensely, but, like, I'll, I'll dream something that happens two days later. That's happened a few times. Uh, I used to be able to fly in my dreams as a child. Um, I met, I think, I guess it would have been Mars, or, or sorry, Mercury. Uh, he gave me little wings on my feet that I could fly around with, but then I started playing trickster and going into people's houses and knocking paintings off their walls and stuff. Um, and he got mad at me and took that gift away. So now the most I can do is kind of glide for like a few seconds, and I've never been able to fly again since then. It was like I was given this 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 gift, but then I abused it. So then that gift was taken away, and I think I have to um, somehow prove myself to this um, th th this uh, planetary consciousness of, of uh, Mercury who gave me this gift again. 
It'll happen someday. I'm not sure when. Are you are you saying just to confirm? Were you saying that like within your dreams you were like actual projecting and knocking stuff off people's walls? Is, yeah, is that what you were so saying? I actually I was able to fly through. And this this was when I was like around seven, eight, nine, ten. I was flying through my whole neighborhood. I saw like the entire map of my neighborhood from above, and like later on, I'm, I I made I figured out that was all correct. Um, and then I was playing around with it for a while, and then I was able to actually go into people's houses and like almost be a poltergeist. So I was like knocking things off their tables and trying to play trickster on them. Um, and the deity that gave me this gift was quite upset at me for um, abusing this talent and uh, took away that talent from me. I can still I can still move around and astral project in my dreams. I just can't fly for more than about three seconds. I can kind of like grasp onto a building at a distance and then like pull myself into it but I can't just zoom up into the sky anymore. That's really fascinating, man, and, and thanks again for, for joining the conversation because, I mean, just that in itself really uh, opens up a lot of uh, other topics, and, and I'd love just to be able to ask you um, just another question, and, and then from there, anybody else, just feel free to jump in as well. Um, you were saying, you know, like the, that... Uh, the the idea of like another entity was in control of like the gifts that you had the privilege of using. Do you feel from your own experience that within the dream space, uh, it, it's like a balance between our own personal development of skills as well as like this other factor related to uh, intelligences and entities within the dream space that are sort of deciding like what we gain access to when and how we do it, sort of thing. If that makes sense, and yeah, what I, do you think about that? Yeah, I think we have guides, um, and certain guides, like, aligned to maybe are, like, oh, sorry, bye. Um, sorry, I had to say goodbye to somebody. Um, certain guides might align to, like, our natal chart of when we were born and the planetary intelligences and, um, like, zodiac energy that comes in when we were born in a certain place on a certain date at a certain time. Um, and also we might have interactions with other beings that are more evolved um, than us and are at higher levels, maybe um, gods and goddesses or deities or planetary consciousnesses, and I think we can interact with them definitely, and they have a lot to teach us. And the dream world is somewhere that um, they can directly interact with us in a very, very profound way. Definitely, definitely, man. Well, again, thanks for joining the Hangout, and I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a lot more that I'm sure you'll be able to share as we continue the conversation, and even some of the things that, you know, uh, again, with my recent experience with, like, um, working with, like, five grams of sacred mushrooms, uh, the, the topic of deja vu became very apparent for me, and, um, yeah, like, within my moment of, like, being there, it was, like, so blatantly obvious deja vu for me in the same way of, like, how we get um, premonitions within dreams and, and so for me it really opened me up into this idea of how I, I this is what I was this is how I was thinking about it is that like you know, you guys have heard me talk about the idea that we exist beyond the future. It, we exist beyond the presence in, in a nonlinear sense. And in that idea, it's like the future aspects of ourself exist within the echoes of the dream space, so to speak. And there are future realities, quote-unquote future realities, which are awaiting for us to arrive into. And we don't actually arrive into them until, like, w the way how we arrive into them is through the physical body itself so like the the purpose of the physical body is to arrive into aspects of the future 
dream, so to speak. Um, but yeah, again, like for me, like the 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 idea that premonitions within dreams are a thing, and the deja vu was so blatantly obvious within a mushroom experience, just again um, points to me the idea that mushrooms literally help dissolve the 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 boundaries the the illusions between what we think is the separation of this state and the dream state it literally like makes the waking state into a more blatantly obvious uh, extension of the dream space um Again, like I, I know, like words are. It, it, I'm, I'm practicing as best as I can to be able to explain this because it's like getting into some very like hyperdelic stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll try explaining that again another time. But, but yeah, like, yeah, deja vu, dreams, psychedelics. It's all one and the same, man. So, um, but again, let's uh, open up the microphones if anybody else wants to jump in. Matthew, go ahead. I would love to ask you this specific question. Okay, you in general. With all of your awakening process, and I'm not quite sure when it has begun, but how do you know the difference between physical isness and dream isness at this moment? How do you know whether you're physically coherent, conscious, and awake in general relativity to being dreaming, aware, awake, and conscious? I'm asking you, what is the difference? That's a that's a great question to to ask. Um, but sorry, you're you're asking. You're saying you're we want. I'll, I'll give like a quick answer. There you uh, go. And for then, everybody. Uh, yeah, for, for for everybody. Um, my my short answer would be is that um, yeah, like there needs to be there needs to be like an element of juxtaposition. There needs to be like something that we can compare to. Um, ultimately, like. It's hard, isn't let me, it? <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me think about that. Um, let me think about that. But Kyle, go, go ahead if you want to jump in on that. Being present. Yeah, I was going to say What's consciousness where of the present moment. you are now. Yeah, consciousness yeah. of your present moment. But there is a subtlety to this one that makes it our primary. And I would say that's because this vibration, this frequency on this place is the one that we chose when we first came here. I guess you know the difference by <clears throat> in your dreams when you get hurt, you know that you're okay. When you get hurt, here you know you're not okay. You know there's a difference. Um, I think that's we all have vibration and frequency, and those are two very similar things, but very different things. Um, I spent a lot of time deciphering in my own mind what these two different things were, but that is what um, the ultimate selection of where we sit right now is, and that's how you know the difference between now and and dream state because when you're in dream state and you have that present of consciousness there's still something that tells you um, you're in the dream state as opposed to being here you know you are here you know what I mean so it's almost as if it's just a very faint layer above but 
we know that this is our primary because when we first chose to be here, we selected what frequency we wanted on what vibration and what star we wanted, what planet we wanted, what, 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 what star that emits the frequency that we will receive here as our own little antenna. That's how, that's how it all works from interdimension to interdimension is a replica of your star somewhere else. As, you know, we are stars, and as stars, we are the aggregate of experience. We just chose to be here, and this one. It's like if you have frequency A, B, C, D, E, and we chose that we wanted to be in frequency Charlie on this vibration. And it's like our personal vibration links to our star. Our star links to Earth vibration that's like your CB channel radio knob and from there you find your own little intermittent frequency that is your solo dolo and that's how we get here and um, that's also how we get there to the dream space <clears throat> is um, we ultimately go to our star and then we go wherever else we go after that and into whatever you know whatever version of pilot you want to see What came, uh, that is absolutely cool, what you just said. What came to my mind to even ask that question was a dream. You Earlier you were asked about, you know, do you want to share a dream, yada, yada. Um, a while back, I, I have, a, a, lot of, a lot of our education comes from our dreams. I call it uh, my, my educational process. That's where a lot of my information comes from. It was, it was within that dream state. And it's very hard to differentiate uh, between when you, when you literally are focused, your focal point of awareness is is in that dream state. When you close your eyes, awareness that we not we know goes away. The world as we know it goes away. Okay. Um. So I I can I can kind of argue Kyle's point where he said, whenever he and God, you know you know I love you Kyle. Whenever you're in a dream, you you know you're hurt. You know that you're going to be okay. Well, really, you don't until 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 you are so scared to the point where you wake yourself up. Consciousness or your body wakes itself up, but until then, you really don't know because you're so focused on and your consciousness is so focused on that specific frequency, that specific reality. You follow what I'm saying, Kyle? Yes, actually, I do, and, so, and that makes me think back to when I had the crazy dreams that I did when I was in the army. When I was in the army, I had <laughs> okay. crazy dreams. Okay, I, I mean, bro, I wasn't going to argue your point. I mean, I, I love you. You know I do, and yeah, I know I you are very, very educated in this. But but when it comes to the the awareness of consciousness itself and, and re, re, relaying into dreams and what what's real and what's not real, when we... When we shut our eyes, awareness as we know it is gone. Consciousness itself is aware of its own of its own its own self. Not exactly I when mean, we close our eyes, but when you go subconscious, yeah. When you go to that level we, of subconscious, we can yeah. understand that in which we see, hear, feel, smell, touch. Okay, when physical awareness goes away. When you are asleep, physical awareness is in a paralysis state, Kyle. 
Yeah. Okay. Physical awareness has gone into a paralysis state. Consciousness in amongst its own self is still aware of itself. It never will and never has shut off. And we are all a part of that and share it on each and every one of our well, secrets. Yeah, we, we just become tethered to the body at that point. It's just a tether, like I was saying, the frequency deal, and you go. Now you're talking silver cord stuff. That's astral yeah. projection. That's another talk. But no, that's it's the very same thing that happens when you dream. The astral plane and those planes are one and the same as well. It's just another Man. level of aspect of thought. When you get to when you get to other realms and dimensions, you have to go through the astral plane to get there. And now the question of questions. Okay. So you're always tethered to this body. We're talking because substances too. Is the substance the barrier of physicality, or is it the barrier of non-physicalness? We what you what are we talking about? dreaming right now or are we talking about being in a, a psychedelic trance what's the difference <clears throat> the difference is a chemical induced process as opposed to a physically induced process granted they both take you to a similar realm but when you're under the influence of a chemical you're actually being awakened state sort of journey as in your softening the veil, you're allowing new ideas to come, new thought processes take place, um, as opposed to when you're dreaming, it's, it's not a but the chemical, the tool. When, you, when you go oh. into a dream state, it's, it, it is different, I mean, they're similar, and they have a similar chord to them, but it is... I mean, ultimately the same space, but it's 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 a different place. It all depends on where the individual is piloting. Like I can tell you, I've had dreams that seem very vivid and real, and then something happens where, like, well, I guess you're right on one point about not knowing where you are because there have been dreams where I've been completely shot to death and, and I thought I was there in that space until I was totally gone from it and back in my own body. So I guess you're right. But as far as a massive psychedelic experience goes to as opposed to being asleep in, in, in an intense dream, I mean... I'll say the places are very close next door to each other and can overlap. But I would also say the places that these different chemicals take you when you go there is, are completely unique to the molecular structure themselves. So they are in themselves individual spaces that you can go that you go to. It's almost like it's almost like you're lifted up, and it's kind of like that poppet game where you got to put all the pieces back together and just you get lifted up and everything tilts and you slide over here until everything settles back to normal. If you notice when you're in a chemically induced trance like that, energy is a lot more physical. 
all things energy, especially in the summertime when it's warm outside and you can feel heat energy, everything, it becomes a fluid, it becomes an ocean. You can feel air and all these different things. When you go there, it's you're literally swimming and moving through this space. But it's it's a new aspect of thought to the same place that you are in. And bringing those ideas and manifestations in, it just opens a new gate to viewing yourself as a soul and other dimensions and worlds that are around you, but in a dream state to be able to be induced into that level of unconsciousness and go there and live out that portion of you at that moment. I guess I would say those are two very different-ish places. Yeah, there's um, a comment, uh, Andrew just leaving in the chat. Andrew just dropped out, but he may be back. But he says, um, I would argue that the duality of chemical-induced process and naturally-induced dream process are false. The only difference is the chemicals that your brain is creating and releasing. Um, so, I mean, again, like that, for me, like it kind of goes back to this idea that like these chemicals are like... These chem the sorry, the chemicals are helping induce these states, but ultimately they're... Uh, on. KJ, can you just mute your microphone? I'm trying to mute it, but I can't mute it for some reason. Thanks. Yeah, oh. hey, I'm glad you can actually hear me, because for like the last okay. 15 minutes I've had a ton of stuff to say and I haven't been able to talk to you guys. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I was just going to say real quick, and then, yeah, KJ, you, you can jump in. Um, I, again, I know we, we've got a few different topics going around tonight, and tonight's, tonight's conversation is, is definitely um, getting very wordy, I, I would say. Like, this is one that I, I think yeah. we're just getting into some, like, very, uh, <laughs> some very, like, again, like, some of these topics are just like, damn, you know, like, it's, it's hard to put into words, and sometimes it's so subjective, yeah. and is there really an answer that we have, and sometimes it's all just best guesses, and, you know, ultimately, I'm, within the stream class, I do want to be able to, like, bring it back to some of the, the basics and logistics and practical yeah. aspects um, of it, um, but again, so just taking a moment here, uh, Andrew, I, I see you jump back in, I, I literally just read uh, what you wrote in, in the chat, and, and I'll pass it off to you in a second, but um, again, you know, like, what what I was just noting upon is uh, and again you know like the the reason for acknowledging this is is the idea that you know with with dreams with psychedelic experiences yes there are these like extra chemicals that in that are like working their way through the brain but ultimately like they're not what they're doing is showing you what the brain is already capable of, yes. um, which I think is important. It's not like, oh, this is your brain like on mushrooms. This is your brain on sleep. It's just like, no, this is your brain on brain. It's already like capable of these things, and then it's just like with these additional elements, it just like activates that that part of it. Um, and, and again, you know, like even if you're not like on the psychedelic experience or in the dream space, you're still actually like interacting with the world uh, with the, the with like the same elements in place, like in terms of just like your thoughts creating, and um, just like in terms of like how manifestation works. Um, again, you know, like I'm. Uh, even, yeah, like, I'm just, oh, man, some of this is, like, so wordy. I'm honestly, like, a little... I mean, uh, I want to say one more thing. Um, yeah, okay, Kyle, you know, go ahead and then we'll... And I'll uh, leave it at that. Um, yeah, go ahead, Kyle. You can, you can try and decipher as much as you want, I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Whether or not they're two and the same or completely different, 
it it's all the same house. It's just what room are you going into at that point in time? You know, it's like a semantic. You said it's getting wordy, you know, in the same fashion. Like, it's all the same house. It just depends on what room you go to. If you're in a chemical-induced process, then you're viewing right now, then. And if you're sleeping, you're not here, you're somewhere else. Yeah. It's all the same house, it's just a different room that you're in. Yeah, that's... um. Yeah, I had something to say about um psychedelics in there. Okay, um, sorry. Roman, I just want to, just before you jump in, I just want to check with Andrew, just because um, we had just mentioned yeah, sure. comment. So, but, uh, okay, so we'll go Andrew, Andrew, then Roman, though, so. Yeah, so basically, like, our brain is able to manufacture so many compounds. Uh, the basic one that most people know is melatonin. That is a tryptamine. Um, it's very similar to psilocybin in its actual structure. Serotonin is almost identical to psilocybin. And um, our brain also manufactures pinealine, harmaline, um, and Dr. Rick Strassman believes that we may be able to manufacture dimethyltryptamine in certain states. Um, these all just kind of plug into the receptors, which are almost like little little ways that um, they plug into our brain and have little antennae on them, and they can almost tune our brain into different frequency ranges. So all these different chemicals that we have access to internally and externally through the world, that's just a brain-mind duality. And in the end, they're all the same, and they're just allowing us to tap into different places and different states and different frequencies because our, our eyes can only see a certain range of frequency. Our ears can only hear a certain range of frequency. Um, our brain can also experience quite an amount of frequencies and also emits a number of frequencies. That's why when you go to the hospital and you get an MRI, they're actually able to scan your brain electronically from the outside because your brain is constantly emitting electromagnetic frequencies into the area around you and these these chemicals they just they what they do is they just work almost as antennae and allow you to change the frequency like your head is a radio and you can just change the frequency at which you're tuned into and that would be what I'd have to say about that yeah and do, Andrew do you want to just um, maybe just how, how does how does that help us understand dreams a little bit differently do you think like that that concept does that help us understand so, what dreams are a little bit better? So, so dreams are a psychedelic experience. Um, melatonin is the main dream hormone or chemical or um, drug, you could even say, and we can buy that at the drugstore. Um, if you look at it chemically, it's very similar to a lot of hallucinogens, um, and it is a hallucinogen in its own self. Um, it only works as a hallucinogen if we're asleep, though. So in that way... Um, the dream experience is in itself an, a psychedelic experience. It is a hallucinogenic experience. And um, not to say that that's not real. These are all real different facets of the reality that we exist in. They're just very different aspects than what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And through meditation, we can also change the way that our brain is is putting out these different chemicals and frequencies and tune in to different wavelengths as well. 
For sure, for sure. Um, definitely. Well, thanks, Andrew. That's uh, some good points to, to definitely hit on there, especially when we get, start getting into like the science and the commonalities between a lot of the chemicals. It, it, it does help us connect the dots. Um, again, you know, and, and, and I hope more of the world sees this, like in terms of just like being able to study dreaming, psychedelics, and how the brain works all under one roof. Um, I, I really think in order to be able to understand all of them better, you really have to look at all of them as being related opposed to being separate. Um, Roman, we'll, we'll we'll pass over to you, and then if anybody else has anything to say, feel free to jump in. I know we got a lot of a lot. Of, this this is getting pretty intense here. So. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Um, totally agree with the whole connecting the dots thing. But <clears throat> as far as I've learned, through all out through all out of what I've learned, things like ayahuasca, DMT, cannabis, mushrooms, they're all just kind of when you when you take them, they enhance the chemicals that you already have present in your body. And that's the whole idea. So basically, like the melatonin thing, all DMT is doing is increasing the dimethylene tryptamine in your brain, and boom, you have a crazy alternate experience of some worldly kind that we're still trying to figure out, some of us. Um, although my myself, I haven't done any such things or um, had any kind of very vivid, crazy, ex explainable experiences, maybe just little piffs here and there, I can definitely say that the science adds up, and just like you were saying earlier, Andrew, about the, the antenna and the TV, like basically, a uh, way I like to think about life is life as in the just living is everyone's like a TV, but their consciousness is the TV signal. The TV signal origin of that is very hazy, but the TV is sort of like it's biological, well, for us, it's a biological vehicle. So I think things like uh, psychedelics and what they're used for and in ancient times, I mean, shamans all over the place and um, very wise old men used to use it all the time and that's how they gained all their knowledge, most of their knowledge basically. So, yeah, just that. Uh, uh, this plant, it's completely natural. They took it and it just enhanced something in their body or just uh, very amplified something in the body that they already had, uh, giving them an experience on another uh, existential plane or dimension or uh, vibrational frequency of some kind. Uh, I'm still pretty hazy on the subject, but that's all I've got to say about it. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. Thanks, Roman. Um, yeah, again, you know, it's it's interesting to look at some of like the ancient cultures and just look at how they worked with uh, some of these psychedelic plants and or just psychedelic substances. Um, but again, you know, like I'm I'm just thinking back to like ancient Egypt with like some of the initiation chambers, uh, theoretically within like the the ancient pyramids, which would just be like a dark room and like idea. I, theoretically, you could like go in there and it'd be complete darkness, and you go in there and meditate, and that in itself would help like induce a natural like psychedelic state, but you could also like take psychedelics and go in there, and it would be like bringing even more things to the surface. Um, there's a couple things I got in mind, but but I'm just gonna let the microphone go around a bit. Um, KJ, did you want to jump in with some stuff? Yeah. And uh, Andrew, if you guys I got it, uh, go ahead. So look, I got a million and one things to say, so I'll just say one thing and just pass it. Um, well, a, a couple quick. Actually, I'll just make two quick points and then one one thing to share. One is um yeah you brought up the like Egyptians and the and the going into temples and whatnot I mean let's let's not forget you know all of Hinduism had the soma plant 
um, the road to Elysius we're talking about, they had a ergot, a fungus ergot, right, which is related to um, lysergic acid. Um, all, you know, you've got the ayahuasca from the shamanic tradition of South America, you've got peyote from the Native Americans. I mean, every single spiritual wisdom tradition since the beginning of time has used in some form or another medicinal plants um, and, and different things to uh, guide them on this journey. I really like a lot of what Andrew, I think, is saying, and also uh, the energy channeler, I think Matthew, both some very um, insightful people with some very insightful things. Um, the thing I'm going to share and then pass it off is that <clears throat> I try not to sound too dogmatic about it, but um, basically it's like this. Like Usually people think that the analogy is that being awake is to being asleep as being alive is to being dead. But ironically enough, once you've been down the mystic path long enough, you realize it's exactly the opposite. That in this life, we're really mostly asleep, and that it's in death that we're awake. So that in the fact, dreams are functioning, as many people have mentioned already, as out-of-body experiences, as sort of some people call astral projection, um, things like this. It clearly is an out-of-body experience, and it clearly is a death experience, because that's what death is, separation of soul from body. So that when you go back to the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and you look at the transitions between the planes, that that's what every night that you go to bed, and you, you watch for that transition between the, the liminal and the subliminal, right? The waking and the dream. And then what's interesting is that once you enter the dream world, that's where true life actually begins. So what's ironic is that you have to recognize how you... And then you want to bring that wakefulness into the waking world where you used to be asleep, right? That's what we call that waking dream. That's what we call sort of like bringing the lucid dreaming. Uh, somebody else was mentioning a moment ago that, you know, this is the dream. Like once you recognize that you never fall asleep again and that you're always in that conscious state of awareness, which by the way, the dream world is... I'll share this next point for another moment, but dreams play a very important functional role in that spiritual journey. But I wanted to give that uh, analogy just for a moment, and I'll pass it. For now. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for for bringing that up, and and I'll just hit upon one thing, and then just passing the the talking stick around uh, again as well. Um, again, you know, like I feel. I feel such like a simple paradigm shift that just really helps us understand dreams a lot more. And I know I've said it before, but it's the, for me, this is just something that makes sense, but it's the idea of understanding that dreams are actually like closer to the place where we are from, or they are, or you can literally say they are the place where we are from. Like the physical world is a byproduct of the dream world. The dream world is not a byproduct of the physical world. So I mean, the dream world, like again, the astral planes, call it what you want, like that is like... And, and this is a quick thing that sort of came to me. I, I feel as if, like, this this origin of, of experience in which it is very much a dream space and it's hyperdelic and it's infinite fractals and, and hyperdimensional space unfolding yeah. infinitely upon itself, I feel as if, like, there is a part of the universe, like a gravitational pull, that is always pulling us back to that. It is always pulling us back to that. And then it is only through like the structures of our biological makeup that sort of create elements that um, 
not distance us, but prevent us from being uh, susceptible to the immediate gravitational pull of the experience that connects us to this core reality in which things are incredibly hyperdelic. And then it's through the experience of dreaming and of psychedelics that we sort of like, again, you know, think of it as like pulling back the veil. It's almost like pulling out certain elements that... That that prevent that prevent us from being being affected by that gravitational pull, and then we're naturally pulled back into that experience. Um, yeah, and, and like I, I just feel like that if you think about it that way, like that we're always constantly being like pulled back into this hyperdelic experience, and and that even correlates with like death. How at the time of death, you know, when people say it's like taking off a tight boot. It's like literally entering into a hyperdelic dream space. So it's like you know the entire time we were alive, it was just like. Like we we were just like pulling away from from like this like source pull, and then once we die, it's just like that that like someone it's like pulling a slingshot or or someone pulling an elastic band, and suddenly you just like let go of the elastic band, and it just like shoots right back to source, so to speak. So whether we're dreaming or whether we're taking psychedelics, it's like moments where we like let go of that elastic band, and that pulls us back to source. And the thing that's holding on to that elastic band that's stretching us away from that source is like the like I said like the biological makeup of of this physical body that is created that way for a reason in order for us to have these unique experiences um, again that that's kind of like a new way for me to even word it to myself but it's just like a another metaphor to try and make sense of this um, but yeah like that gravitational pull that's always pulling us back to source is something that's always there and then even when you go into stillness it seems that it arises as well um, which is something we can talk about later, the, the idea of like stillness evoking psychedelic experiences and how that plays into a role with just understanding things more. Um, Andrew, go ahead. I know you got your microphone open and then anybody yeah, else after that. Um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on the darkroom practice um, and how that still exists in some cultures to this day. Um, there are a number of retreats in Tibet that folks can go to and spend um, like from nine days to three months in complete darkness, and that's the... It's a very old um, Vajrayana Tantric practice that's also practiced in Taoism. Um, there's also an indigenous culture in, I believe, Colombia. They're called the Kogi. And they have they, their, their cultural lineage goes back to a pre-Columbian era. And they choose, they, they have sort of, they don't have shaman, but they have basically like priests for each, uh, each, each group. And they select specific males, like right as they're born. And by the way, they name Kogi. It means people of the jaguar, um, if that means anything to anyone with ayahuasca. Um, they choose certain males at birth and bring them into these dark caves for nine whole years. These, these children do not leave these caves, and they're cared for by the elder priests of their tribe. And it's nine years before they see sunlight. And they're just taught the spiritual traditions of their culture in complete darkness with no light for nine years. And then at 10, they're allowed to come out into the real world, into the light world. And that's their, uh, their tradition of training their, um, their spiritual elders. That's some good stuff, man. That's amazing. I've never heard that before. That's... I think it's, um, I'll write it down, uh, the name of the people. You, you can look into it in, in the group chat. Um, I, I was just going to ask you, and then again, we'll, we'll pass it around. Um, but why? Why do you think they do that? Why do you think they choose to like work within the darkness? Uh, I have I have a book stash somewhere, and it taught. There was a researcher that did a lot of research on the Tibetan practice of the darkroom process and what happens in the brain. So when the the pineal gland is not exposed to any light for a certain amount of t amount of time it ends up changing um, the chemical processes that go on inside of it. 
And a lot of people say what happens on like after day three, they um, the darkness is like no longer present, and then after day five, they start to see this like white light all around them, and then after like a month or so, they start to see just like they're embraced in white light, and they have these visions that come all over them, and it allows the brain to actually produce the, the these chemicals that most folks have to consume externally through like psilocybin mushrooms or ayahuasca or other uh, sacred medicines and it allows the brain to actually create that pathway and allow us to connect to the darkness and, and go out of our bodies and learn how to astrally project and it, it, it changes the way our brains that work from like so that the dream is integrated into daily life so that there is no difference between the awake life and the dream life, they become exactly the same. And that's why they, they take these young children that they find that they recognize there's a spiritual gift in and then bring them into darkness so that they can they can they can uh, channel their powers and, and their gifts. Yeah, even just what you said there, like when when the dream space and this waking state like become perceptually perceptually one and the same. Like I feel like that is again that that is like actually what this shift in consciousness is about is that more people are actually experiencing that. Like we, this is something that I had within my five gram mushroom experience. Like it was very visceral for me. I was just like, I was like, holy shit! Like we are the dream awakening. Like that is literally like what is happening. Like literally. Like people are realizing that like this space and the dream space like are one and the same, and when we start realizing that they're one and the same, just different frequencies of the same source, then you know things get very interesting. And for me, again, it just goes back to our idea of learning to become better dreamers within the dream. And what I mean by that is better co-creators within this co-created dream, and obviously so much more. Um, K KJ, did you want to? This goes back to uh, sensory. I just wanted to tell Andrew, like, this also goes back to sensory deprivation tanks and that, and I mean, the, sensory deprivation is obviously not a new tradition in any type of dark cave, any type of, uh, you know, sacred temple that you're entering into the sacred realms, into darkness, um, and everything else that Andrew just said is very, very appropriate, uh, but it reminded me of, um, who's the guy that, that wrote the book on uh, sensory deprivation tanks? That would be John Lilly. John Lilly. Yeah, yeah, Lilly. That's who I'm thinking of. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I just wanted to say, yeah, it was. I was just noticing that that goes very hand-in-hand, hand, sensory deprivation, you know, sacred temples in darkness, uh, caves in darkness. Uh, and by the way, that sounds really profound as well, Andrew, that, that culture that you just mentioned in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, again, guys, there's, there's a lot of conversations uh, we could go in on, uh, even, you know, just like if people want to talk about uh, sensory deprivation tanks as well, um, you know, that's a, that's a those are great experiences and, and again, something worth noting. Um, but again, we'll just open up the microphone here and uh, Matthew, we'll, we'll let you uh, jump in. Go ahead. What Andrew's talking about, the, the our ancestors knew um, th this was their culture, this was their heritage. Today we understand this as what's called mind fractal or mind fractalization. It is cracking the shell. Um, what happens is when they do do this, uh, the mind—it's like a lot of people think that they cannot see in the dark. 
that is absolutely wrong. They can see in the dark. And um, our ancestors were, were able to do that as well. What happens is the mind, the mind will literally re rewire itself, and you are able to see infrared. You know that. Um, when it comes to understanding astral projection and out of the body, when you are subjected to total darkness, again, the mind will fractamentalize and your awareness goes outside of the known self. You, you're aware of yourself mainly because you feel yourself. You see yourself. But when you are able to see nothing is when you have to tap in, tune in, and turn on to that nothingness in which you see. That's why the mind fractamentalizes. And isn't it interesting that this is like what happens when we dream? I mean, we, we are going into the, the sacred temple of darkness when we close our eyes. I mean, we are going into that darkness. Well, what, what Andrew was talking about earlier about um, the substance, and this conversation is absolutely amusing. It's totally entertaining, so I appreciate this. Um, when the brain when the brain goes down and shuts down into into its sleep state it, it it produces melatonin it does produce melatonin mixed with serotonin it induces a it kind of like let's just say um, it talks to the pineal gland okay through the, through the the synapse of your brain the pineal gland which is about the size of a raisin produces dimethyltryptamine on a daily basis um, so you literally are walking. I mean, you guys. Can, this is all scientific. What Andrew's speaking about, what we're speaking about, is scientifically proven. Doctor Straussman has got one hell of a good documentary on the internet. YouTube's called DMT: The Spirit Molecule, an amazing, phenomenal documentary on his study of what we're discussing now. But again, when it, when it comes to the sleep state and the brain producing. The dream, the, the the sleep state and the dream state are they are two different things. But what helps get the body to the dream state is that open pineal gland, that small, that small lapse of dimethyltryptamine that's fed into the synapse of the brain. So whenever the cortex of the brain starts receiving that, that's what happens. I mean, you you you, it's very hard to understand between focal point of dream state and focal point of awareness. What's the difference? That's why I kind of argued with Kyle. You don't know. You don't know because when you are tuned in, tapped into that dream state with 100% awareness and you are completely in paralysis state, you don't know whether you are or you're not dreaming. You follow what I'm saying? The focal point, the, your focal point of consciousness is your awareness point. And until your physical body is awake and alive, you know, well, let's say awake, then then your your consciousness comes back to that lower vibrational frequency, and wham, you're back in your body. But when you use a substance, that's why I said in the chat, it's a tool. all the substances. I don't classify them as chemicals. I don't classify them as drugs. I don't induce them. But what they are is they're a tool. They're to help you learn how to elevate your awareness and your vibration. Elevate your vibration, elevate your consciousness, and you have exactly the same substance without the substance. The brain just it just is able to do this. Anybody? Uh, does anybody else want to jump in on that? 
Go ahead. We'll open up. Yeah, fully, fully with you on that one. And th that reminds me of something that you said earlier, which is, um, you see, like, how do you know that you're awake or asleep? And and the only way that we know is when you're in the other state. So the real trick is, how do you know you're alive if you've never been dead, right? So again, it goes back to this life, death, awake, asleep things, and understanding the role dreams play in the death process. Well, many, many, many of your religions teach you um, fundamentally by the teacher, not in, not in, in actual text till the, to the day. But many religions, if you go back to the philosophers and the master teachers for what they were, when they were, I mean, a lot, a lot of my past understanding goes back to the old, old dynasty of Egypt. Everything that we're asking and everything we're talking about right now is literally written in stone on the walls of the Luxor Temple. Everything, literally everything that we're talking about. When, when we die, they consider death. These people were more, more excited about death than they were about life. They considered the death experience the life experience because when we are aware and when we are conscious and in the vessel, we are constrained. They called this the slave body. That's what this is. You are, we are subject shackled to the body. Thoth, who I follow and I channel all the time, tells me, tells a lot of my, my students, we are subject to being enslaved only until we are able to understand we can escape slavery and it's becoming awake and aware of your physical essence and that's what substance does is it helps you it helps you understand your own isness you alone are isness you are a part of consciousness and then and the dream state helps like i said at the beginning it helps you come to the understanding and the realization of the total of that in which you are there's the, the bigger picture. We're only touching a fractal of the bigger picture. I, I really like what you're saying, and I just want to add the one other thing that I wanted to share with you guys before I, and then I'll pass it on again. But where I, so you, you're talking about the Egyptians, and where I come from, uh, it's very Platonic, and of course, the Platonists got, uh, let's say, almost everything from the Egyptians. Um, but so where I come from, the function of the dream is from the higher self to show you what you're overlooking in your waking world that is most important for your spiritual development so at the moment of death you can get off the cycle of birth and death. And there's a very specific method of looking at the, the actions, the states of mind, and then the puzzle or drama of the soul of what the soul is going through and what it needs to learn in order to wake up to that higher consciousness and that higher self. So in that sense, dreams are a divine gift from an all-seeing eye of providence, let's say, to sound wordy for a moment, for us to, to grow exactly where we are and to see what we're overlooking. In other words, what we're, we were asleep to in our waking world that the higher self is not asleep to and is reminding us. So in that way, if we have a what's called a nightmare dream, we have a dream with a bad state of mind, that means that there's some, there's some failure in our waking world that we are counting a success. And we think it's such a success, but it's not. And our dream is showing us that it's really a failure. 
And on the other hand, if we don't give ourselves credit for the successes and the spiritual developments that we go through in our life, and now then the dream will come in and, and highlight those and show you that you're overlooking and putting yourself down and not giving yourself credit for your spiritual development. So it's, it's with kind of like a balancing checks and balances act with divinity uh, and the waking world. But it's all going towards, like the Egyptians, it's all going towards that moment of death, right? All gearing you towards that moment. There is no separation. You are that higher self. You literally are the higher self. That higher self is you. The gut intuition is you. Totally. But then why do we fall asleep to that? And then why do we have the dreams, right? Like you said, there has to be a bridge mm -hmm. to the lower self from the higher self so that we can remember and wake up to it. But you're right. In the end, there is no division. And that's mm -hmm. the beauty. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a dance through the Maya, you know, the dance through illusions. Like that's what that's that's what the learning process is. Like if we came in like with full like you said or said, you know, divine awareness, divine providence, then there we we'd already be at the end of it. Like there there wouldn't be a point and stuff like that. So I mean, yeah, all right. the only way the universe could learn was to forget what it was so that it could like gain the new experiences. You know, I I remember having that paradigm shift like when I when I, you know, years and years ago when I was just like, "Oh my god, like if I was the universe, what would I do? I would create a quote-unquote prison for myself to put myself in, like not prison in like sort of the literal sense, but like prison in the sense of just like being able to like put myself in a place where like I, I didn't know what I was or I forgot what I was only so that I could learn and go through those aha moments and everything like that. Um, at this point, I feel like more and more people are like waking up to to that obviousness. Um, I just wanted to hit upon some other, some things, but I, I know we got uh, several people who are excited to add in more to this conversation. And, and again, thank you everyone for, for being uh, tuned into this and just for all the listeners tuning into this in the future. Again, like this is really exciting because you know I feel like through us having these conversations, it literally is, like I said, like literally these conversations are a reflection of the dream waking up. And sometimes we do have to get into these conversations uh, collectively for, for us to just be able to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, sort of thing. Like we're remembering, it's all there, it's coming back to the surface. Uh, even if we don't fully know it, it's just a process of being able to connect the dots and putting forth uh, that intuition to sort of align us with, with um, our own truths. But what I was going to say is that I'm... I'm fascinated by the fascination that cultures have with death, uh, specifically the ones who, like you mentioned, are are like intentionally living their their physical life with the preparation of moving into death with as much consciousness as possible. Like that is literally something to keep in mind: is that within death, it's kind of like entering into a dream in the same sense that some cases you could actually enter into death unconsciously which means that you actually have to like work on your consciousness within this state to be able to move into that that big psychedelic trip of death with a degree of consciousness so that you like move into like an ascended waking state like it's kind of weird to think that like at death there's almost like this like final test so to speak and 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 depending on how conscious you were in this lifetime will actually determine how you transition into like that other dimension within the death space so I mean you know a lot of mystery schools will talk about and say like you know like that's why lucid dreaming is important that's why dream exploration is important so that when the time comes that we can die we can actually move through it in a place of like consciousness and and mindfulness so that you know it's just like okay like I'm dying I'm dying quote unquote you know like okay I'm entering into that space breathing mindfulness fractal colors surrounding me light and 
you know, filling up my everything like that. I understand what's happening. Continue to breathe, and then, you know, you like go through. Whereas in other cases, it, it can just like so easily just be like falling into a dream. And then again, you know, we're getting into territory where it's just like, well, what happens? I mean, we can listen to stories and we can make best guesses, but um, a lot of times, like, we don't. We're, we're sort of we're sort of approaching uh, the the event horizon of the mystery in which we we don't really know until we get there kind of thing, which I think is is part of the learning curve. But still, just just that idea of like being able to prepare ourselves in this lifetime for the for death is 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 just a a very fascinating topic for me, and it just bring, brings back more emphasis as to why we want to become more conscious within this waking state, and within the dream state, and within all states, so that we can become like better cosmic citizens, so that we can, you know, like bring more consciousness into the oversoul, if you want to think about it that way, um, both in death and right now, uh, as well. Um, yeah. So again, you know, getting into some pretty pretty psychedelic ideas, definitely. Um, Okay, let's just uh, check in again. Does does anybody else want to jump in on anything that they said, or if anybody has any new questions, please feel free to ask them to the group as well. Um, there are a couple things at the beginning that I know we didn't get into yet. We can always loop around, but again, does any, does anybody else? Um, okay, one one thing I'll say, and, and then again, if anybody else has anything to, to add in, just feel free to jump in because I know it got brought up earlier. Um, the idea of, uh, and I know I'm just mentioning because I know like some people will just like hear it and be like, well, wait a second. Um, the idea of like uh, DMT being produced by like the pineal gland. Um, I I feel like there's still like an aspect in which we have to like tip around the idea of saying that's scientifically proven because depending on what researches you're referencing, some people will tell you, well, no, that's not scientifically proven. Um, but at the same time, I don't. For me personally, I don't feel it. I don't feel like I need a scientific journalist to 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 like say that yes, it is. Is are true, um, regardless of like, like whether DMT is re whether quote unquote DMT is released during the brain during uh, birth, death, and sleep. Um, I, I I mean, for my best guess, like yes, it is. And if it's not DMT, then it's something that is doing the exact same thing that DMT would be expected to do. And what is DMT doing? In, are, in a very I mean, simple way, it's um. Sorry, I'll just say this last second, Matthew. Um, at the very like. If I could explain like what DMT is doing in a very simple way, it's like activating the rainbow bridge, um, so to speak. It is activating like a broad a broadband broadband connection between yourself and like full on a uh, higher level of source consciousness. So I mean, it makes sense that like at birth, like that is opened up and it comes through. At dreaming, it opens up. We go into the dream space. At death, it opens up. Our soul transitions into the astral plane. Um, so yeah, DMT is activating the, the the bridge, the rainbow bridge, so to speak. But again, it's always there. It's always activated. It's just like activating it at another level that brings it into our present awareness, I would say. Um, Matthew, go ahead though. If you uh, go, go ahead, Matt. No, I think that was me. That was, yeah. What? Oh, sorry. Was that KJ? Oh, was it? Whoever wanted to say when? It, sorry, whoever was looking to jump in. I was just gonna mention. Um, I was just go gonna ahead. mention. Uh, real quick. Um, oh, there is new. By the way, there are new studies out that show that the pineal gland uh, is producing dimethyltryptamine. So. Uh, yeah, Straussman was um, Straussman had a hard time uh, testing it because obviously the body breaks it down so quickly. But there are new studies out on 
mice and rats and things like that, of course, because science loves to do things with rats and mice. But um, there is new evidence that, like for people like us, like we don't really care. Like dimethyltryptamine in the pineal gland, it's like obvious. But for scientific people, yeah, they want, you know, this sort of scientific route. But there is new studies out. At the little side chat, there will be a re reference to one of uh, MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. It's, it's one of their um, earlier newsletters and has a whole bunch of medical references at the bottom talking about beta-carbolines, which is like harmaline, and the monoamine oxidase inhibitors that are in ayahuasca, how those are present and manufactured in our spinal cord in our brain, how um, various um, analogs of dimethyltryptamine are created in the mammalian brain. The reason why we can't access, we, scientists can't just crack open a human brain and test it for that because it would have to be a living species, a specimen, right? Um, but they have, they have found um, in cadavers, they've found actual like receptor sites in the spinal cord and in the human brain. And I'm just going to leave a little link in the group chat if, everyone wants, if anyone wants to look at that. Um, and I'll be back in a little bit. Cool. Thanks, Andrew. Um, KJ, did you want to jump back in there? But but yeah, no, that, that study with the rats, I had heard about that one. That one came out a few years ago. And, and yeah, like, I agree. Like, when I saw that, I'm just like, okay, there we go. Like, it's proven. But I know, like, some people are still, like, on the fence as to whether or not DMT is, like, producing the brain. But yeah, like, I'd say, yeah, it, it does. I mean, the fact that the fact that theoretically it does connects the dots very appropriately. If it didn't, um, there would be something missing. And if it wasn't DMT, then it would have to be something, like, exactly similar to DMT and not DMT. So, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense for it not to be produced in the brain just based on the correlation between, like, birth, death, and dreaming and what we said, you know, like, the psychedelic experiences, a waking state and dreaming state. They're, they're all, you know, just, like, different versions of the same thing. Um, but, yeah, did, KJ, did you want to jump back in there? Or, uh, Matthew, I'm not sure if you, you still want to jump in on some stuff or if anybody else wants to jump in. Um, I know we got a little bit of conversation in the side chat as well. Um, and again, just inviting anybody, any of the new people to jump in at any point as well. Uh, Matthew, though, go ahead. Well, I would, I would like to just point out to everybody that one of, one of the main keys here is we have got, we, we are known as spiritualists, metaphysicists, soul searchers, okay? And our actions throughout our, our, our life path has led us to where we are in the now moment, okay? We are able to sit down, um, the ten of us, eight of us, whatever's in here, and formally talk about where we're at in our paths where, and actually identify with one another, okay? You cannot take one of these, I, I, don't, I won't say people, but one of these scientists and bring him into this group and have him fit. He won't fit. And he won't fit be, because he has, ob, ob, the odds are he has no understanding of the awareness, the, um, the feeling, because we can attribute our, our, we attribute our consciousness understanding to feeling and emotion, whether it be dreaming or whether it be physicalness. Consciousness in and amongst itself just is until we give it an identifier. We are all, right at this moment, conscious of our body. We're all 
going to later be unconscious but yet conscious. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? But when it comes to a spiritual awakening and a spiritual journey in, in reference to what we're talking about, science itself, if, if I, I'm always intrigued by watching new scientific stuff. Well, they found this, they found this, they did this. Really? I can go to, I literally, I can go to the Kyle's page or Roman's page or whoever's page. And I can see some, some stuff where the same stuff's been talked about for months or years because, and it's not a documentary. It is a spiritual path. Science is just now crossing into what we know as our journey. They're trying to, they're trying to give a, a scientific basis to what we have got as an understanding of real of realness. That's what I would like. That's what I I wanted to chime in on. Or you, you asked me, I I had that to say. Science itself will never ever get to this point because it can't. It literally cannot. Actually, hmm. I'm wondering if if it exactly if actually there is no difference. In other words, there truly is no split between true science and. true science and what is real or what we know collectively to be real. I guess I'll just finish that statement. I guess he, uh, hey, you got some error stuff going on, man? Where's the mother? KG. Oh, this, sorry, there we go. I just had my mic muted. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, like, I mean, yeah, like, I, I, we could just get into a conversation about, like, spirit versus science and, and all those things, but I think there's a lot of stuff there that's almost, like, redundant in saying um, uh, as well, but, yeah, like, it, it is interesting to be able to just, like, reflect on the idea that, like, can scientists start incorporating more of the spiritual perspectives into an understanding of reality, and will that become more of a future? Like, will... You know, like, will school start teaching kids about, like, the importance of dream exploration and the dream-like reality of this nature, or dream-like nature of this reality? One, one thing I was going to say, though, is that, you know, just, <clears throat> again, this was something that came to me uh, when I was uh, working with the five-gram mushrooms. Um, you know, it, it was just like, it was just like, you know what? Like, I bet you if we're talking about, like, futures and we're talking about, like, star civilizations and stuff, like that, I feel like the future isn't necessarily something that's like relative to an aspect of time, but it's relative to an aspect of the evolution of a culture's consciousness. So, I mean, in that sense, like a, a futuristic civilization would actually be a civilization that has like collectively awakened to the dream-like reality uh, of itself. And so, you know, it's interesting to think that like if there was like a star nation out there, you know, like a Pleiadian or an Octarian or or, Sir or whatever any of those ones, um, maybe, theoretically, this is just an idea, maybe, like, they're literally a culture where, like, the large majority of them are just openly aware of what we're pretty much talking about here, the correlation between psychedelic experiences, dream space, and waking states. Um, and, and they see that, and they operate their culture based around that, and it's much more holistic. Um, to me, that's just, like, an interesting idea, and, and it gives a little bit of direction as to where 
our culture could be potentially moving towards, you know, like literally what happens when more people start realizing that this reality is the dream space and, and again, the correlations of that in terms of like how we interact with it and how we manifest within it and just like even how we can create uh, within it as well, like not just like through our own like manifestation abilities but also just like in terms of like technologies and, and things like that and like dimensional travel and all sorts of things. Um, but again, that was just an idea that I just wanted to put out there. Um, Opening up the talking stick, though, if anybody else wants to, to jump in, then we'll check in with some other stuff. Andrew, go go ahead. And, and Kyle, or Kyle, did you want to... Sorry, let me just check. Kyle, did you want to jump in with some stuff, too? Or Yeah, I was going to say something about the whole DMT thing earlier. I was going to say, like... Sure, okay, go ahead, and then Andrew. For it, for it to affect us the way that it does, it has to be produced in our brain. There's no doubt about that, for it to have that effect. You know? It's like it takes you to... It takes you to a very, very high place, but it doesn't even have the afterburners to keep going to the eighth and into, you know, that final stage where, as ayahuasca would, have those afterburners to take you the rest of the way. DMT alone does not. But when you're consuming Aya, it's the same thing. It's just a different method of entry. But yeah, I would say for for it to affect us the way that it does, to bring us that sort of insight and knowledge, then yes, we have to produce it in our minds. And if you're anyone who's familiar with it, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, if you have any kind of, if you've ever touched it or anything like that, then then you'll then you'll know. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people in here, quote unquote, psychonauts. It's not exactly a the topic that everyone just comes out, you know, truly and truly insightful people and truly knowledgeable people that 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 do that sort of journeying. They don't really come out and just throw it in people's faces. It's something that has to become that has to be touched on before it's revealed. And I think it's very important, you know, because a lot of people see it and they take it and then they want to go to their own space with like, oh, this is so cool, you know, that's so cool, and they just sort of get wrapped up in, in the whole doing it thing and they're not really taking it for the lessons that it has to present. Hey Kyle, you guys, let, let me let me throw something out there. Back right, in man. back in the old the older days, okay, there was a gentleman, I, I I do not know his name. I I really don't know his name. Had a science lab and was was testing for this and doing this and doing that and, and he came up with with another strand of not not dimethyl dimethyltryptamine or DMT, but LSD. Okay, the military then then went from there, and they said, oh, let's let's test it on everybody. Well, during that process, from what I understand, the builders, the teachers, the ones that were studied on LSD in that hallucinogenic, in that dream state brought over to physicalness, physicalness consciousness, okay, were so creative. Let's, I, I, I don't understand why they're still not still till this day. It's, it's almost as if technology is at a standstill because those people that are in power, quote unquote, won't fundamentally allow these people 
to research what we're talking about now. When you bring that kind of a creativeness into the physicalness, so much can be achieved. So much can be achieved. Do you, are you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. I know. You're more creative, okay? That is your creative state. That's what I'm saying. I, I just it just blows me away how te how technology is almost at a standstill, and everybody questions. Well, what the hell? Why why did, why did all these studies stop? I don't ask me. Oh, I'll, I'll jump in right there. Go ahead. In the last three years, they've actually like just like on light speed. Um, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies has done a lot of work with veterans, especially because the whole thing was there's a lot of fear. Yeah. Um, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, most of the um, researchers were also involved in black ops operations, including McKenna, Leary, um, Stanislav Grof. Um, what's this other? The other guy's name uh, starts with an O. Well, I'm just looking through my like archives. Uh, Humphrey Osmond, he was another one of them. Uh, they were all both like double agents, so they were working for the counterculture. They were also working black ops and doing a lot of sort of both-sided stuff. Um, very interesting history there. Um, but recently, in the last three years, um, most of the bars in the states have been taking off of research for LSD and for MDMA and psilocybin. And there's been, um, you can actually get ketamine therapy for depression very easily in the States now. You can get um, end-of-life um, cancer treatment and anxiety of death therapy with psilocybin or LSD. Um, there's a lot of, lot of, like, really exponentially growing, ongoing, on, like, on, on growth happening right now in Canada and in the, the United States. Um, there was just, it was so much all at once, and initially it was contained to like a fraction of people that were highly educated and scientists that were working with these and having, and, and you have, like, we were talking earlier about how like maybe scientists won't understand this. Um, I'm super connected with the scientific community that's involved in this research, and you'd be extremely surprised with the sort of um, spiritual practices that a lot of these folks are into, and some of the greatest scientists of our times. Um, you know, the, the discover of DNA, uh, uh, Kirk and Watson discovered it on LSD. Um, and I, I wouldn't really shame people for having a scientific background. That just gives people a good basis for, for researching. And their personal beliefs, their religious beliefs, their spiritual beliefs can be completely separate from that as well and can be integrated in a very strong way. Um, Stanislav Grof was the European researcher who worked after, in the 70s, after um, LSD was banned from research in the States um, because there was this whole counterculture movement and all of these like old 50s parents were like, ah, oh, our children are doing weird things and dressing in strange colors and we don't know what's going on and they're not dressing in suits and getting good jobs and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he, he just kind of like, he thought that that whole thing was bizarre. He went back to um, Czech Republic and did a whole lot of research. He administered, because um, he wanted to prove that LSD didn't cause psychosis. So he took psychotic patients that were, that they couldn't, they couldn't treat, like severely psychotic, autistic, um, catatonic depressed to patients and he administered over the period of a year usually around a hundred sessions high dose like between one and three hundred microgram LSD treatment therapies 
um, with each of these patients, and all of them, like, there was an 80% um, recovery rate from their mental illness, and they became functioning members of society, and they were able to, like, get through all of the, and what it was, was there was usually early childhood trauma, usually sexual abuse or something like that, that triggered a repressed memory, and then the, the psychedelic allowed them to work through that and to, um, to just sort of work through and understand it and figure out where that came from and grow from it. And these substances, they've been shown to, like, um, sorry, psilocybin and LSD actually cause growth in areas of the brain that have been damaged from alcoholism and uh, multiple concussions. There's just been like an exponential growth and I've seen in the last two years I've been following it and archiving it and there's been this just incredible amount of like support from the scientific community and if anyone wants to just go to the MAPS website it's www.maps.com check out their newsletter sign up for their newsletter donate if you if you can they're doing some of the best research possible right now and they're just really changing the playing field for us mm -hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, Andrew, I really appreciate you um, bringing the knowledge that you have to, to this conversation. And uh, obviously there's more that we can get into um, related to the psychedelics. And, and, and I'm glad that we have gotten into that. And again, you know, bridging, helping connect the dots between like being able to understand them and how that helps us understand the dream space uh, even more. And uh, I, I do just want to be able to like bring things back with a little bit more focus into the dream space, uh, into the dream exploration topic as well, um, just because I... I, uh, yeah, like, I, I just don't want things going, like, too, too, too far off into just a conversation of psychedelics, but just, again, routing it back into um, the dream space. But I, I was curious, though, and, and Andrew, you might actually have some insight on this, because we mentioned this earlier, you know, when we're talking about practical ideas of how to uh, be able to get better at dream recall and everything like that. Um, one of the things that uh, we uh, had mentioned before is the idea of, like, cannabis actually affecting one's ability to, to have dream recall. And, again, this is something we've mentioned before, but I'm mention it again and you know for like some people if they're just like why can't I remember my dreams and they happen to be like smoking cannabis daily try not smoking cannabis daily and notice how that affects your ability to uh, be able to involve your dream recall um, I just want to share a personal experience but I just wanted to be able to ask as well if anybody had any insight on why cannabis might actually affect our dream recall and maybe Andrew has some insight on that but when I was at the uh, Ohm Festival, um, part of my intention, again, like going into working with like the five grams of sacred mushrooms, uh, was like not not smoking cannabis um, the days prior to, like up from like a week ahead too. And then like what I was actually also excited about was the idea that, you know, like I, I could easily have like just like smoked a bowl and like got high at the festival, but I was really like wanting to to honor my my um my, like it, it seemed more rebellious for me to not smoke cannabis than to smoke cannabis so to speak at that festival if that's kind of like how I want to measure things but what I ended up getting out of it was the idea that like each night when I went to sleep I had the potential to have like a psychedelic experience within the dream space especially being in the magic of this festival and one of the things that actually happened to me is that like prior to to um, going into to the the psychedelic experience on sa on Saturday, on Friday I actually had um, a dream, or I, rather on Thursday I actually had a dream where um, my interpretation of the mother goddess actually came to me in my dream, which I felt was actually very meaningful and. Um, what I mean by this, just to give it some detail, is um, for those of you who have seen the Journey to Lucidity movies and, and are familiar with that, and um, for those 
if you haven't, you can check them out on my YouTube channel at Skull Babylon. But again, they're full-length movies at Transformational Festival, and it's all about like waking up within the dream and uh, this dreamlike reality. And um, within that, like the character of um, the mother goddess within the movies, who is uh, also played by Jamaica Stevens. Um, you see her; she's like the one who's like uh, it, welcoming welcoming me into the dream, and she's kind of like one of the leaders within the festival. Um, yeah, like she came to me in my dream, and and for me, like that was like very reassuring. Like that was very important for me to have that dream, and like that gave me a lot of comfort and confidence moving into my psychedelic experience in the next few days. Just like her presence being there in my dream. Like I was just like, okay, that wasn't an accident. Like that was like you know the universe sort of like sending me a message sort of thing. Um, and then again, you know, like had I smoked weed, like I might not have had that experience and I might not have gotten that. But um, yeah, like sometimes it's it's easy for us to just like not care about remembering our dreams. But I think when again when we start dedicating our attention to our dreams and we start telling the universe that hey you know like I, I love my dreams like you know literally saying that like I love my dreams like I care about my dreams and the universe will start like sending us uh, messages through our dreams it will start delivering us information through our dreams um, and, and you know like I, I do want to just open up conversations for anybody who, who who wants to share anything about like potent dreams that they have had you know ones that really stood out to them and maybe it was like a like someone else showing up or, or anything like that um, I, I want to be able to open up that but again just going back to, to what I was saying good night Sherman peace and love brother um, I just wanted to ask uh, Andrew, um, do we have any sort of like scientific insight or any other perspectives on why cannabis actually may affect our ability to recall dreams, be able to interact with our dreams there, in general, is, or, or is there even a spiritual perspective on why that may be? But go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. definitely is some, and off the top of my head, um, I'm not recalling a lot of it because I, I carry so much up here. Um, and I'm constantly having to, having to put it out. But one thing that I know as a fact um, through personal experience is smoking cannabis before bed does definitely impair dreaming because I think the reason is it's, it's, its duration is so short. kind of wears off around like four to five hours when you need around like seven to eight hours. So it impacts our REM sleep. And our REM sleep is when we integrate a lot of stuff. Edibles are the best things to take before bed. Um, if you totally. take an edible, like a mixture of a like cannabis butter or a like um, uh, Phoenix Tears or Rick Simpson oil or something like that, I always have the most profound dreams. And I take cannabis medicinally for chronic back pain. I've never had, and, and I can only take it orally for the pain. And I've never had any trouble with recalling my dreams. It's always increased. It's much, much more intense. I, I recall more. They're more vivid. They're more profound. They're more intense. And it's only when I eat it. If I smoke it, nope, nothing. If I vape it, nothing. Don't remember much. But if I eat it, if I consume it, because it absorbs slower and it's still Andrew. in your system for the whole sleep. Yeah. Andrew, so, I mean, uh, maybe you're aware, I would, I would think you are because you sound very intelligible, when it metabolizes through the bloodstream, it becomes a yep. different compound. So, it, yeah, right, so it's not exactly, it, it is very different than smoking it, like you said. Mm -hmm. And the traditional so, yeah, way right, to do... So we would... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, uh, like, what, like uh, some of the more traditional ways, like the more ancient ways to consume cannabis is oral. Um, that's more of a modern, like, the last few hundred years thing. 
Um, but the yeah, well, I mean, like in India, they eat hashish, right? I just came back from India. It's a big tradition of eating the hashish, right? Yeah, because that's how you get into the, yeah. the mystical states. Yeah, that that's uh, yeah. It's uh, they they eat a lot of it. Um, and there's a book I forget what his name is. It was a British guy, and he was part of the club of hashashins. They're a so, sort of a um, I don't want to use this word, but a um, What's what, uh, they were they were studying like Eastern mythology and everything. There was sort of a derogatory term for it that we don't use anymore. I'm not going to bring that up. Um, but they, um, they they looked at hashish and they would consume massive quantities, like a multiple grams of hashish, and have profound like psychedelic experiences, walking around like nighttime London, like London, England, at the middle of the night and having visions and everything, and going to bed. And uh, there's a book about the club of hash hashish, so I can't remember the author's name, but if anyone wants to look that up, that's super interesting. And like consuming the cannabis is um, one of the best ways to get the visionary aspects of it. Um, and I know in India they also uh, they smoke charas. There's a huge tradition of mixing it with um, uh, the uh, bergamencia, which is like a, a member of the belladonna family. And I, I I caution people to not ever use this plant. Smoking it, it is technically kind of safe, but if you have any sort of heart conditions, don't do it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna advocate for the use of any sort of Belladonna-based um, or Datura-based sort of working, but in India they do mix a little bit of opium, they mix a bit of um, tree Datura, and then they mix hashish all together with, with a bit of really strong tobacco and smoke it out of a chara, and that's one of their spiritual practices, and that's, that's what Shiva smoked in, in the lore. So that's a, that's a thing. And I've had I've had the experience of that myself. It's um, quite profound. It really changes the. It really both all three of these chemicals interact in a very special way, and they create a very blissful dreaming experience. But the fact that there is um, opium in it can be physically addictive, and the detritus can be physiologically dangerous to people. So I would never advocate for anyone else to do that. But that is something that some folks do in some cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, just on, on the topic related to just like different plants that can be worked with uh, integrate into our dream experience um, Andrew and anybody anybody else um, do, do you want to share a little bit about maybe some practical uh, direction that you can point people in towards like some plants that they can work with that can help with dream recall I mean I know a lot of people yeah. talk about some of the common ones but let's let's try and do that let's just try and create like a short list of ones that people might actually be one. able to, to find somewhere so yeah, order I'll, I'll just tell you my favorite one. Um, they're actually two. They're very. They're they're both related. One is cat mint, which is separate from catnip. And before in the British Isles, the Celts used to drink this as a tea, as a dreaming tea. For cats, it wakes them up, makes them hyper, makes them sexually aroused or aggressive. For humans, it causes a slight stimulation for about 10-15 minutes and brings you in this really dreamy state and has this really pungent floral smell. I have a huge jar of it. I grow it every year. Cat mint or catnip also is very, very, very powerful at nighttime. Uh, you can mix it with a little bit of St. John's Ward as long as that doesn't interact with any medications you might be on. Um, but cat mint and catnip are very, very, very safe. Um, and they are very, very beautiful dream aids. And I'd recommend the cat mint, which has little purple flowers rather than the white flowers. And it's very pungent. 
And you'll see a lot of people around, they just have it in their garden. It looks like a mint, but it has these little beautiful purple flowers on it. You crush it between your hands. And it has this pungent, floral, like, musky smell. Really. Um, and just make a tea out of it. Put a few teaspoons in a cup of boiling water. Set it for 10 minutes. Strain it. Drink it. Lay down in bed when you're ready, when you feel sleepy. Um, and then setting intentions. Dream intentions are so great. You can really access. You can access your past lives. Every night before, if you want to learn about your past lives, just every night before you go to bed, say, allow me, allow, like, speak to your subconscious. Say, I would like to learn about my past lives and say, just say that intention, and eventually they will come, and they will be different than dreams. They will be very different from dreams because they will be like you're walking in day-to-day -day life, but it's more vivid than day-to-day -day life. It's more, it's, it's not, there's nothing strange like ha what happens in dreams. Everything is very reality-based, and everything is like hyper-realistic, and there will be these details that you remember, these certain things, and then you can go on the internet and research them and then find out that these were things that happened in the past. And that's that's all I'll have to say about um, dream herbs. I, I don't experiment too much with dream herbs. I experiment more with like health enhancing herbs in the daytime. I, I, I am a herbalist, like I study herbalism, but um, I, I don't work too much with the dream herbs. Okay, so sorry, that was cat mint and sorry, what was the other one? Cat mint and catnip. Okay, catnip. So catnip, okay. like what you give to your cats to make them hyper. Um, mm -hmm. But it's best to grow it. Um, because the stuff that you buy at the store, unless it's a herbal store, if you buy it at the pet store, it's not. It's worth worthless. Um, go to a garden store, buy some cat cat mint plants or some cat mint seed, and uh, yeah, just grow those, harvest them, and you can cut like most of it off. It'll grow right back and dry it out, make a tea out of it. And cat mint is for me one of the best dream herbs. And it gives you a really beautiful, restful sleep, too. You wake up and you feel just blissed out in the morning. Hmm, cool. Harmony, go ahead. I, you got your microphone open. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. Catnip is wonderful. I would definitely make sure that you grow it organically. Um, also, another tip is if you have cats in the area or your own cat, that makes sure that you put a greenhouse or that you have some kind of a cage around it because your cat or neighborhood cats will destroy it. Um, I've had that experience. Yeah, you know, that, you know. Yes, and um, I also make little dream pillows that are little uh, organza sachets that have a mix of herbs in it. And um, the herbs that I recommend the most are passion flower and catnip, like he said, and valerian root is really amazing for helping you get into that lucid dream state and relaxing your body so that your mind can go into the realm of lucidity. And also um, lemon balm is a good one and it's really, it grows very easily, it's easy to get. And um, uh, mugwort is another dream herb that is really powerful and um, it's also known as artemisia and um, there's a, another herb that's called dream root and I'm not sure the Latin name but a, a friend of mine gave me some one time and it was really really amazing the experience that I had with the dream root tea and I would recommend uh, making teas they're really really great or you can even put the plants in your room if you have plants around you 
and the frequency of those plants and the smells and the essential oils will also help you go to a more living world. Um, yeah, I would definitely ditto on the um, passion flower. I forgot about a few of those. Passion flower actually contains um, a small amount of monoamine oxidase inhibitors, similar to what's in ayahuasca. Not enough that it'll interact with anything in your body. You can take quite a lot of it, and it won't hurt you. It won't bother you. You don't have to go on an ayahuasca diet or anything. But if you make a um, like a cat, a cat mint or catnip tea, mix in some um, passion flower. That's a really great one because that allows the melatonin to, um, to 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 convert into other chemicals, and it really helps to expand your mind. And there's one other that I just thought of right now, and I'm just trying to pronounce the name because it's a traditional one from South America and Mexico, and it's used by some of the shamans there for dream work. It's um, Kalia Zaka Tecatichichi. It's called yeah. the Mexican Dreaming Herb. I'm going to write that down <laughs> in the group chat because I'm sure no one is going to be able to spell that. Camaria lucidity. It's a really, <laughs> really great herb for creating lucid dreaming, spiritual journeying. Um, it intensifies the visual imagery. Um, and it gives you a really great sense of well-being and lightheadedness and clarity the day afterwards. And you need like five grams of this herb too. You need to you need like a good amount, like maybe like a bunch of teaspoons in your teapot. Strain it, like let it sit for ten minutes, then strain it out and drink it all right before right before bed. It is the worst tasting thing. Yeah, that the would Yep. So. Um... Yeah, let me just, one second. Um, I was going to ask you, though, Andrew, um, have you ever, like, do you have any insight on working with brew as uh, something to use as a tea uh, in relation to working with Syrian rue? Yeah, so that one is a tricky one. Um, so I make sure that, fo I really have to talk to folks often um, who are thinking about using that because sometimes people might be on antidepressants or other medications that might interact with it. In very small doses, like a couple seeds, like the size of like less than like your like pinky nail, like maybe like five, ten seeds, that's like kind of okay. Um, but if you're going to be doing the like gram, two gram, three gram doses, that's where it gets tricky, and you have to be careful about what you eat. You, if you're doing anything over, like, two grams, you really have to watch the ayahuasca diet. Watch out for cheeses and all that stuff. I'm sure folks know about that. Um, but that one definitely can really just open you up spiritually in the daytime and in the nighttime. Another one is um, blue lotus. Blue lotus is really great. It's hard to come by now because it's really hard to farm. There's only, I think, like in India, three people that know, three families that still farm it. And it's quite expensive, and it's an endangered species. So if you care about the environment, yeah, if you care lotus. about like, um, the ethnobotany of the planet, I would stay away from that one. If you get your hands on it, do it once in a while, but just don't overdo yeah. it with the blue lotus because it's one of the most sacred plants in, in Buddhism and in the Egyptian traditions. Um, yeah, in, in Egyptian India, blue lotus. Sorry, Buddha's eyes as being the color of the blue lotus flower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Kyle, just one second, just before we pass it over to you, um, I just wanted to confirm for the people who are listening to this in the future in the podcast, um, the uh, one of the ones that Andrew mentioned, the Kalia Zaka uh the spelling for that is C-A-L-E-A, -E Kalia Zaka Z-A-C-A-T, 
E-C-H-I, C-H-I. So kind of how it sounds. Yeah, and you can find it Google Google Mexican Dream Herb. You'll find it. Yeah. (laughs) I've actually tried that one. It's very, very bitter tasting. It's it's bitter and... A, sh- the, a lot of shamans say, you know, the bitter the medicine, the stronger the medicine. So, yeah. And I say yeah. that too. As, as an herbalist, the, the, bit, the more bitter, the stronger it is, the better it is. Yeah, so once you start to work with herbs, you get, to use, you get used to the bitter taste. It's like as a kid, you drink wine, you're like, eh, what is that? And then as an adult, some folks drink wine, they love it, right? So when mm-hmm. you work with herbs, the more bitter you get, the more you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think I think we got a, a pretty good list there. Um, I, some of the ones that I wrote down, and I think I missed a few of them. But yeah, going back to the top, you mentioned cat mint, catnip, uh, val, uh, val. Which one? What was the root? Valerum, valerium root. maybe. Artemisia um, vulgaris. Well, yeah, mugwort was another one that I had listed. Lemon balm, passion flower, blue lotus, and uh, the Calia zacca titici. Yeah. Um, Valerian. Yeah, yeah. Valerian. And then there was the Syrian root, but we also want to warn people to really investigate it and look into, like, make sure they're not on any medication that might interact with it. Make sure that they yeah. um, are careful with dosage because it can be toxic in high doses and low doses. In very low doses, like a pinch, it's quite safe. Um, but if you have a heart condition, if you have any sort of illnesses, it's, it might not be the best thing for you. All these other herbs are very, 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 very safe. Mm. But Syrian rue, just because it, um, it, it works in a certain way in the body, it can, it can cause high blood pressure if you mix it with certain medications. If you're prone to high blood pressure, cardiac problems, if you're on any sort of psychiatric medication at all, antidepressants, anything like that, I would stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look into the ayahuasca diet. So not eating fermented food, not not having alcohol with it, um, not eating too much meat with it. All these things, like just eating a good vegan diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and again, you know, just a little extra info with like the Syrian rue. That's like part of the ingredient within like the ayahuasca brew itself, and, and the Syrian rue is part of like the MAOI, which allows like the psychedelic experience to to last longer opposed to the yeah. body naturally flushing out the uh, DMT uh, within the brain as it would automatically do just like through a chemical process. So in that same idea that it would allow a DMT experience to last longer, that's why it also works within the dream space because, you know, like theoretically it allows the dream space to either become more vivid or to allow itself to like not be flushed out as soon, which can result in, in more dream exploration process. And I, I, have a, I have a really fun narrative about Syrian Rus. So they actually use it to make um, a red dye and a yellow dye. And in the Middle East where they made the, uh, what are they called, the, um, the Arabic carpets, um, that's not the right word for it, but like the really fancy carpets that come out of the Middle East with all the very intricate like designs, they um, they make the yellow dye and the red dye out of Syrian rue seeds. And over the course of the day, the folks working with it would absorb so much of it just through their, their hands and arms and everything, they would actually start to have visionary experiences in the day. And that's where the myth of the flying magic carpet comes from. It comes from Syrian rue. Oh, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know that, so that's actually yeah. pretty funny. Like a lab and everything, <laughs> like they're tripping on Syrian roof. Hopefully. <laughs> <Go for laughs> That's funny. Cool. Um, well, thanks again, Andrew. That's some great insight. And, and again, if anybody has any other stuff they want to add, um, Kyle, I, I know you want to, or you had something to mention. Yeah. Blue, when you Blue Lotus? Or... 
Oh, Blue Lotus, yeah. I was able to get my hands on Blue Lotus when I was like 19, and it, it worked amazingly. If you do a lot of it, it just brings everything into one. And like I was driving my truck home at like 5 in the morning, and I was like seeing these like geometric shapes, and I was like, couldn't tell if I was asleep or if I was awake, but I got home and I was out for the rest of the day. It was really crazy, um, but I was wondering if you guys were talking about Detora Jimson Weed, like um, the Detura family of plants. Not the Detura family, but... Did you say Jimson Weed or Jimson uh, Root? Jimson Weed, yes. The, um, I think it's the is that... That's what the uh, the, the agora agoris use in India to uh, like it's like called like a zombie like state. Yeah, because I was gonna say like I've done the Tura Jimson weed and it's it's very dangerous and it's not something that anyone should do because yep. it's that one that you know if you don't know what you're doing you can very well eat too much and die very quickly. Even I'm, surprised, you I'm surprised. I'm not. I'm surprised. I'm here to be honest. I've done several handfuls and took me to a very, very strange place. Very, very. So the thing with that sort of plant is it's not a hallucinogen. It's a delirium. So folks will be seeing visual things that they think are 100% real. It's not like with shrooms or LSD where you can, you know, tell, tell that you're the tripping. Difference. Yeah, that's you the, can't that's tell the, the experience. That's the experience you know, I do a lot of workshops with youth, and I teach them about substances in a non-biased way. And that is the only drug that I will ever tell anyone. Like, I, I'm non-biased towards all substances except for that one because it can be very, very dangerous. And when I was in high school, I had a friend whose cousin and their best friend were really into just doing whatever they want, whatever they could get their hands on. And they... Um, they they got into using the thorn apples off of the detura plant. Yeah, that's and they what wouldn't I did. It. They would just take a bite out of it. And eventually, one time after doing it, I don't know, like about ten times or something, I was surprised they're still alive after that point. They walked off of, and this is a bit dark, so um, trigger warning for anyone who's had anyone who's like accidentally passed away through overdose or whatever. Um, they actually walked off of the seventh floor story of an apartment building because they didn't realize they were in an apartment building and they both died at 15 years of age yeah. um, because they were on Datura and they didn't know the difference. They thought that they were walking out just into the grass. Yeah. Um, so that one is pretty, quite... That's pretty much... Yeah. The, the, in, in, in Europe, the witches used to use it. Um, and the witches and maguses and wizards used it to um, fly. Um, but oftentimes the ritual, the way that they would do, like do the ritual is they would have their apprentice tie their arms, body, legs, and calves, and like ankles down to a chair, give them the substance, and then leave them there all night. Because people just have this tendency to just go off, and their body is in one place, but their mind is in another place, and their body can do almost anything. Um, it's a very... It's a very interesting plan, and it can bring you to some very interesting places, but also some very dark places. Yes, I could definitely tell you, because with my experience in that realm, there is definitely a reason that that plant is called Nightshade. When you go there, you know why. 
because even during the daytime, you are in the shade of the moon. It's a very, very terrifying place to be if you're not ready for it. It's, it's the only safe way to really do it? Sorry. Like, continue. Sorry. Oh, I was saying it's a very horrifying experience, to be honest. Like, it's all the compiled psychedelic experience that I have and have chosen to do throughout my life. Yeah, if somebody doesn't have any medical sort of problems, it is possible to um, to take a small amount of the leaf and mix it with a bit of marijuana because there's about three chemicals in it and two of those are highly toxic. One of them is not and that one is the only one that doesn't get burned up by the fire. So I even wouldn't recommend people do that but I've done that in the past and I've had pleasant experiences with that and it's not dark it just changes the way that the, the cannabis interacts with you um, you get these gravitational distortions and you kind of connect um, telepathically with plants and stuff um, but yeah so that, that's, a, that's a whole other discussion that we could talk about for hours about Bergamencia and its whole history. Oh, yeah. and, and I, uh, I didn't do anything with the leaves. I took the, the, the spine apple that you were talking about. Yeah, that's the, that, the that has the apple. most, that has those, the strongest concentration broke, of everything. I broke them open and I had a ton of them. I had a ton of them. I picked them from the neighbor's plant. I, I, took, I took all the seed pods, I broke them open, and I, let, I laid the seeds out. And I had a vial of seeds, and I just did some fistfuls, you know, of seeds. Yeah, the seeds are the most dangerous part of the plant. Up until about 1986, I think, that you used to be able to go to any corner store and buy Dutchira cigarettes. And this is because it's the traditional medicine for asthma. Before puffers were around, it's a bronchiodilator. It opens up the bronchii so people can breathe if they're having an asthma attack and I suffer from irritable airway I get like asthma from cats and I've used it for that purpose and it's great um, but what happened was a lot of like people who didn't know what it was would end up eating a cigarette and then having that whole experience and then some, there was a number of deaths that happened and the, the last company that was selling it just had to stop because there was too much stuff in the media about it and there was too many folks like misusing it unfortunately, but like I said, you know, the most powerful medicines, the most dangerous medicines can also be the most healing medicines for certain conditions, and you yeah. have to know how to use them, and you have to be with somebody who has the expertise to guide you through that, and without that expertise and that knowledge, and that knowledge is sometimes occulted and hidden, um, it's not something you want to experiment, experiment with. And I really blame yeah. this a lot on um, Carlos Castaneda because in his first book, he just like talked all about like experimenting with Dachira and all these experiments. And he turned out to be kind of a false anthropologist. He lied a lot and a lot of the stuff he made up. And a lot of uh, folks in our, in our community in like the 60s and 70s who read that book, they thought, oh, this is great. It's something I can find in my mom's garden and like have a great experience with. But it didn't turn out that way for them. Hmm. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, you know, sure. um, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I've had some, definitely some crazy experiences with Betura, and it's, um, yeah, not anything I would advocate to anybody doing. I would not suggest mm -hmm. going out to find this plant to do anything with it. 
Um, yeah. Funny enough, it's actually in the exact same family as tomatoes and potatoes. Yes. yes they're almost related, <laughs> exactly related, yeah. They're in, they're in the same taxa, or no, they're in the same family. You're right, family. It's not the taxa or the kingdom or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool, guys. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much, guys, for, for just, like, being able to hit upon some of these topics in the conversation. It's good to be able to archive these within all the knowledge that we're bringing together. And, um, yeah, again, you know, just reminding everyone, like, definitely, like, you know, anything that you've heard here, just when it comes to ingesting things into your body, just, like, do your research, like, make sure and, uh, you know, like, ask questions. There's message boards where you might be able to get some more clarification or um, even within this broadcast, um, for most of the people who have been in here, we'll try to get their contact information involved uh, as well. So uh, maybe if it's either a question... Um, Maybe Andrew might be available if some people have some individual questions. He's nodding his head. So, um, yeah, so we can always follow up with that. But, again, you know, just encouraging people to be really smart, uh, really conscious about any of this stuff and just not doing anything unless you sort of double-checked. Um, but, yeah, and uh, Andrew's email, you can a email him at andrew at trip project.ca and uh, Andrew is actually helping at the Ohm Festival with um, one of the, the camps that was all about um, which was Trip Project that's like that was that what the yeah he was working with the camp um, at the Ohm Festival again the transformational festival that, that we were both at over the weekend and uh, again you know that was just all about like bringing conscious mindfulness into working with any of the uh, any of the um, you know, not just calling them drugs, but any of the teachers and medicines that you can work with to be able to help uh, expand your consciousness uh, with intention and, and bring more experiences into your reality. So again, you can check it out at Andrew at Trip project.ca and uh, we'll include his uh, his Facebook is also Andrew Wilson and again I'll include a link for that into the show notes under today's episode of Dream Class for June 28th 2016 um, with that said guys um, we've got about we've been about we've been in this class for for almost for over two and a half hours um, and I would like just to be able to wrap it up so that we can save some conversation for another time but before we do that one of the topics that I want to be able to get into is the idea of um going back to our topic of shared dream space and and ending the episode again with a short meditation uh, related to being able to gather around the dream tree which is what we're referring to it uh, within our imagination to be able to carry over that intention into the astral planes but before we do that I just want to open up some conversation a little bit more um, I, I'm curious has anybody here had any experiences with shared dreaming uh, has anybody had anything related to that that they might be able to share because that's something that um, what is what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about the the idea of multiple people being able to meet up at a single place within the dream space, and that is something that we are very interested in and something that we're intentionally working towards through our collective meditations. Um, but again, I'm curious: has anybody here had any personal experience with shared dreaming before? Um, KG, I have a question for you. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Do you mean like do you do you mean like I'm gonna go to bed tonight and you're gonna go to bed tonight and we're gonna plan to meet up? To a degree, yeah. I mean that that would be one way of doing it, yeah. <clears throat> so it's like a it's a conscious like astral projection? Yeah. 
like theoretically the next day both people would wake up and they would be able to be like dude I saw you in my dream last night and be like dude I know I was there too like that would be a, and a, a both successful people, and both people would have the exact same or not the exact same dream but both people would I'm just trying to figure out what some that would form look of like yeah would have some form of recollection of meeting up um I I've had it blatantly only once within my reality where, um, yeah, I was literally like with a friend online and I was talking to him and this was like years and years ago and, um, and both of us woke up but the interesting thing was is that we sort of had, um, both of us woke up with the same song in our head which actually was used as sort of like a trigger recall mechanism um, and it was actually the song like um, Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm again this was like like back in like 2002 or something right but but yeah like within the dream we were like sitting on a couch and we were talking at a party yeah <laughs> we were talking at a party and then um, yeah like within the within like the morning that we woke up um, he like sent me a message and like and before I even opened it, like I actually knew what the song was ahead of time, and then I we got into the conversation. We were just like, "Dude, do you remember your dream last night?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, like we were both there, and uh, yeah, both of us were able to confirm it." And but it was funny because the conversation that we had is actually very like. Uh, I've mentioned this way back in some other broadcast, but it was really funny. I'll just tell you guys real quick. But long story short, both of us were at a party together, and at the party, I was explaining to him. I was, I was like, I was like, see, man, like there's like entities all around us. We just can't see them all the time. Like, look over there in the corner. There's like a gnome who's standing there in the corner. Even if we can't see him, he can see us, and he's just like chilling out, looking at us. So I was like talking about like invisible gnomes in the dream space, which was kind of funny. Um, yeah, because that's still a topic that we're that we're still talking about. Today, obviously, but again, so I mean that 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 honestly has been like one experience that I've had with a shared dream. So I mean, it's it's possible, and 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 I'm not the only one with an experience. And again, I'm just looking to sort of archive. I'm curious if anybody here within this class at this point has had any shared dream experiences that they would like to add to this ongoing documentation. Um, Allison, did you wanna did you wanna share something? Sure, I would love to. So this is my first time being here, so I'm very excited. So um. I, my fiance and I, we've both been experiencing and, you know, dealing with spiritual things, experimenting, I guess. And um, one of the first times we slept in the same place, I guess, because our auras were so close, he definitely had his own dream experience, but we both met up in our dream, and we remember, you know, sharing some kind of experience, and then we both parted ways, and then it's happened a few times since then, so it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a good point as well, is that, you know, are shared dreams more likely when you're in the same proximity as someone? It seems that, like, definitely that has the potential to uh, create that opportunity, it, it would seem. So, I mean, again, you know, like, that's something that people can bring into their practice if they're sleeping with someone you know like be it a partner or just a friend in the same room you guys could actually like intend to do that intend to have like a shared dream experience so yeah no Allison thank you thank you for confirming that we're not crazy and, and stuff like that happens yeah. sometimes <laughs> and, and welcome to dream glass too so. um, cool um, uh, so again just passing it around does, does anybody else related to shared dreams have, have any any personal experience that they would like to share and, and add to our documentation of this. Um, and, and if you guys aren't sharing anything, then I'm assuming that maybe you haven't had a shared dream before, and that's totally, you know, that's 
Totally cool, too. Uh, Andrew, did you want to jump in? or? I wanted to see if anyone else wanted to go first, because I've spoken a lot. Um, but if not, I will. Um, anybody, anybody else want to go first? Yeah, Andrew, why don't you shut up already? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, guys. Now, now. I got I'm just kidding. It's, it's all been very beautiful. Oh. I know. Um, Kyle has something to share as well, and Kyle's yeah, talking a lot, too. Yeah, I, I talk a lot, too, on these shows, so... Okay. All right. If no well, one else, if no one else is going, I'll go, <laughs> and then Andrew. Um, I, I mean, the only other people be uh, Har- Harmony. Did you did you have anything to share related to share dreams? Maybe no, not okay. That's fine. Um, okay, so uh, Kyle, go go ahead, and then and then Andrew, and then um, yeah. That, oh that's man, fine. when I was entangled with this this woman, right when I was in the army, and there was this woman, the one that I got married to, and all that mess and being a horrible experience, right? So, um, there were, uh, when I was in the army, she was obviously not in the same state as me. But I can say there is a shared dream experience because I was viewing her and some things that she was doing. Like, we would come to the same space, but we would both bring... You know, I, it was, it's just strange. Like, we'd be in an airport and we wouldn't be with each other. We would just be passing by. She would be a bystander to an incident. You know, but like later on, there would be an explanation for this. Like, she'd be like, I had this dream and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's really weird because I was that man passing you in the airport. I just didn't stop for whatever reason. You know, and I watched her go from that incident and get on the airplane and leave. Hmm. Just from different points and different aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, even, even just that, it sort of brings up the idea that, you know, like, sometimes we can be in other people's dreams and maybe one person will actually be aware that it's a dream and the other person won't be aware that it's a dream. Um, that That is something that can happen, which again goes into the idea that maybe you could like meet up with a friend in a dream, but they'll be in their dream and you might actually have to like help like wake them up or something like that, um, yeah. which is like sort of an interesting, interesting idea as I've well. I've also had a really strange experience with an incredible inception on whatever you want to call that word or whatever, or a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. It was very interesting because I kept waking up to the same scenario. And it was with the same woman that I was previously talking about. I have an ex-wife and she's... I don't know, I'm just not going to talk about that. But um, um, there was... You know, just... We were waking up in the morning. It's like we had an apartment or something in the dream. There's like an apartment or like a flat or whatever you whatever it is. Wake up next to her, but she's like sick or something. Wake up and start doing some stuff. Wake up the alarm clock goes off, pick up the alarm clock, put it back down. And then you know, she's she's ill and It's like the first time it happened, she morphed into like this crazy thing. It was like coming at me, trying to kill me or something, and like I got knocked down, and then I was waking up in bed again. 
and I picked up the alarm clock. I put the alarm clock back down, and I got up and I saw that she was sick. But this time, her body was covered with lesions, and it started to get familiar. And I was like, this feels, you know, feels like this happened before, or whatever. Her body is covered in legions. Legions started weeping, and they started pussing. And then, and then she, same thing again. She got up and started to assault me, and all this other crazy shit. And then I was waking up in bed again, and I was getting out, and I was looking at the alarm clock, and I put it back down. And at that point, I knew this is happening again, again, again. This is going to happen again, again, again. At that point, I knew that it was going to occur again. You know, I knew it's like there was something in there that I recognized and that might have been looking at the alarm clock and putting it back down and capturing that familiar cause, that familiar feeling of it's going to happen again, the repetition, the uh, the deja vu. And sure enough, it happened again. And then I was getting out of bed and I picked up my alarm clock and I knew as soon as I picked up the alarm clock that time, hey, like, I'm inside of a dream, inside of a dream, inside of a dream, and this fractal doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Before I was able to, like, sort of work my way into a different part of that dream. I had to go through that section again and again, but it was it was the moment of realizing it was a dream and then waking up within it again to experience that same set of action mm-hmm. again to wake up in bed, check the alarm clock, and still be there. To the point where it happened and happened and happened until I woke up by myself and realized I'm in my bed and looked at my alarm clock and I threw it like across the room or something. <laughs> it was like something. And... and, and yeah, just to be sure, and I was, I was tired, like I didn't get any sleep, so yeah, yeah that's, that, that goes on a tangent offset to shared dreams or whatever, but... Yeah, 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 that's a... Um, We're in the biggest dream right now, the shared dream reality. There we go. Yeah, I mean, like, again, yeah, you're right, like, without having to get, like, too far into the share, like, the dream within dream within dreams, but I do think there's something, there, there is a reason behind looking at that, um, but, again, you know, I was just, like, yeah, like, the dimensions within dimensions within dimensions, um, that is worth mention. that is worth looking at, that is an important dot to connect. Um, yeah, so, Kyle, thanks for sharing that experience. Um, KJ, go ahead, and then, Andrew, if you want to mention your shared dream experience afterwards, go, and then we'll get close to wrapping Andrew. this up. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm, I want to hear what you got to say. Sure, yeah. So um, when I first met my partner, it was like, I don't know, um, like seven, eight years ago. Um, immediate, like really strong connection, almost like our souls had been like split on the other side and then we were meant to like find each other to come back together. Like the two of us make a pair and we've always felt that way. Uh, but at the time, I'm not going to sort of self-disclose um the certain substances I was using, but I will say they were um, aryl cyclohexamines, certain dissociative anesthetics that I'm not going to specify which one. 
but we were using like quite a lot, enough to actually put us under um, and be in the dream state while sort of still being consciousness at the same time. And this happened multiple times where we would be like in bed together, bonded, and our bodies would like just join. And then we would go into this dream state where we'd be in four or fifth dimensional consciousness and we would just be traveling through all of these different places. Um, and when we would wake up, we would have so many, like, um, so many of the experiences we could elaborate on and say, yeah, I was there with you and we experienced this and this and this and going down that, like, fractal jungle hole and going into this place. And then at a point, we, like, found ourselves at River Styx and we were, like, on the, like, boat with, like, the, like, gate master and we're like, okay, we're not here for that. Let's go back the other way. Let's um, get out of, let's leave Ferryman Charon to his will. Yeah, but we had a, a number of experiences like that where just, like, we were together. We weren't speaking. We were almost unconscious. Uh, but we were going through these, like, trans trans-dimensional spaces. And after coming out of them, like, our experiences, like, aligned up almost, like, identically. And it was very interesting. And, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I have to say. Word, word. That's fantastic, man. Word. Right on, man. Cool. Um, KJ, did you did you want to add anything else? And, and again, we'll, we'll get pretty close to wrapping things up soon. Yeah, I got a jet. Oh, yeah. Um, KJ, did you are you still there? Uh, maybe not. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, that's totally fine. Um. Yeah, okay, so going back to, uh, again, you know, like, our shared dreams are a possibility? Yes, it would definitely seem so, and it is something that we're working towards, and hell, you know, like, we're in one right now. Like, the fact that, like, this reality exists is kind of proof that, like, it can happen on other dimensional levels of it, so, so to speak. So, I mean, that gives us a, that gives us purpose, that gives us intention, that gives us um, an objective to work towards um, in terms of, like, the... The what we're trying to do within this project, which is just being able to develop that space within our shared imagination, so that we can continue to work towards it. So that uh, again, you know, the space that we're talking about. For those of you who are aware of the preview image related to the dream class, you'll see it as a, a person standing in front of a field, and in the field there is a single tree, and then above the tree there is the paradigm shift sigil, which again sort of looks like a a compass, north star, star portal beacon type sigil and so as simple as this concept is it's something that we, we can we can collectively bring ourselves to if and when we achieve lucidity when we achieve lucidity or even just by happenstance and it has already happened um, there is one of our friends Ashley who hasn't been in the dream class recently but again this was a few weeks ago and she mentioned that she uh, in her dream like had a dream where she was at the dream tree and she said like there was like several of us who were there who were sitting around and hanging out so I mean that's another thing in itself which is interesting within the dreams is that like you know okay we've created this place and even though we may not fully be able to remember ourselves having been there perhaps we actually already have perhaps like there are actually are parts of us within the dream space that are already hanging out there but the next step is just to be able to be conscious of it and to be able to develop that recall so I mean for me personally that's part of my 
intention behind like being able to develop my dream recall, being able to work towards lucidity, is so that the day will come where I'll literally be able to wake up the next morning and share with you guys and be like, yes, this happened. This, this, like I was there. I was at the dream tree and I saw you guys and we hung out and we, you know, had a drum circle next to it kind of thing. Yeah. So, and, and which is honestly, again, you know, like why we're creating that space. Like in the same way, like the festival happened on the weekend, we can have like a festival around this tree within the dream space. And this, this like this is honestly like, to, in my mind, like this is 100% possible. The oh, only yeah, thing, like we, it's just it's just a matter of like diligence and persistence in order for us to get there. But the fact that it's a little bit challenging just calls us into more reason as to like why we can develop lucidity among many other personal reasons as well. Um, Harmony, go ahead. I you got your microphone open. Yeah, um, it just reminded me of a group meditation that I've done before. I can't remember if it was on Rita Melchizedek or Anna Merkaba. But um, they did a gathering around the pond. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it was very, for some reason, that image came to me when you were talking about gathering around this tree. And um, I've actually have visited the gathering around the pond in a dream. However, I don't know any of anybody who that I saw that was there. I just saw faces that looked familiar, but I didn't actually know. So it just is very reminiscent of that. Totally, totally. So I mean, yeah, again, like the fact that other other like conscious community groups have like had similar intentions and and again, you know, like that's like it's honestly just a tip iceberg in, in terms of um what it is that we're working towards. But but I'm fascinated by the idea of shared dream space and of being able to create places within the dream space through the active intentions of our imagination within this physical dimension you know like because if we can create a, like a tree that we can hang out in maybe that's like a step towards being able to create like you know a, like a small community and eventually like a city and then you know like what happens when enough collective intention is built that we can actually create like an astral city through our imaginations and maybe that's actually like what's already happened through like other futuristic civilizations and things like that and you know part of them actually live there more consciously. Andrew go ahead. Yeah, I was um, speaking to somebody of mine, Ancestry, uh, a few years ago. Um, I just ran into them in this random shop, this little tiny, tiny shop in this really small mall, like, near me. And I'd never seen this shop before, and I just walked into it, and it had a lot of the sort of, like, awakening books. It had um, a lot of Zachariah Sitchin's books and everything. And the older woman, she was probably in her 80s, was sitting there, and um, I was just talking to her, and I wanted to know, like, a bit about like what people from she was I think from Peru or or somewhere in South America and I wanted to know about like what people there talked about you know the temples and all of that and because we have like our, our like North American beliefs about that and like all these anthropologists all these things but what are the folk tales about them and then we got into this very deep deep talk about the dream world and the real world and how on the real world, like, not, I wouldn't say real, but on, like, the world we're in now, people, um, like, create these sculptures or um, altars so that they will be there in the dream world so that they can access them in the dream world and use them for spiritual purposes, for gatherings, for things like that. And that's why, that, that was her explanation of why there's so many um, 
pyramids, it, like Mayan, Aztec, Inca pyramids. They were for just ritual here, but also for gathering in the dream world as well, too. And she, she told me that everything we build here that has a beneficial spiritual purpose creates an equal but even greater beneficial spiritual purpose on that side of the, the veil as well. And then that, like, I came back a week later and this, the shop was disappeared, so it was, like, very unusual experience for me. <laughs> it's so like, it's like, it's like maybe she shifted it to the dream world just to talk to me for that yeah. one. I had never seen that shop before, and I'd been in that mall, like, 40 times and never seen it. And, like, I would have bought the Zachary Sitchin book if I had seen it there before. And then I came back mm. a week later and there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, again, you know, like, that, this, this topic, it, it is something we can get into a little bit here, but definitely saving for another time. I agree that I feel like a lot of the major megalithic structures are what you said, are, are actual anchors that about um, things... Oh, Okay, sorry, I just wasn't sure my computer froze there. You know, literally things, you know, like pyramids. Pyramids would be an obvious one, like Stonehenge, things like that. There are people who, like, talk about, like, meeting up at Stonehenge within the astral planes and how on the astral planes it's actually, like, a very active gathering place. Like, you can go there and you'll see, like, all sorts of different spirits and, like, fairy folk, like, walking around and gathering there. So, I mean, yeah, like, that's, it's it's an interesting, it's a it's a fascinating idea, again, just to, to, to know that like this is all one big dream and so I mean our imaginations like those are you know that's that's how we create within it and and you know whether you're just talking about using your imagination to physically build things with your hand or using your imagination to create things within your mind uh, ultimately it's like a correlating process so I mean it takes both essentially so I mean let's create let's create with with the hands of our mind so to speak um, so I mean that's where meditation comes in and that's and that's what we're going to do right now and again you know for people who have tuned in to previous broadcasts you know like this is literally something that we try to do at the end of every broadcast where we just do a short meditation focus on our visual senses and bring ourselves into that field so everybody who's listening to this which will be thousands of people in the future will be able to put their direct intention even just for a few minutes onto visualizing this tree in a field with a paradigm shift sigil above it and then from there the next step is encouraging you guys to think about this during the day and ideally even to think about it while falling asleep so you can sort of take this meditation as a precursor to your own version of the meditation that you can do while falling asleep so it's very simple it's like starting in a field bringing your senses into the awareness and then approaching the tree and connecting with it and then kind of making it your own beyond there so um, we'll, we'll definitely we'll, we'll get into that into the next minute um, before we do I just wanted to check in does anybody else have anything that they want to add or any other questions or anything. I just wanted to know where I can find the paradigm shift sigil. Yeah, okay. So I just posted um, a link in the side chat and you can actually see like the actual image um, there. So does that work for you? And I did post a link into the live chat on the website. And again, you know, if people are listening to this, go to the paradigmshiftcentral.com and just check out the uh, link for the dream class for June 28th. And if you guys actually notice within the graphics of the image, um, for those of you who are paying attention, you notice that from class to class, the portal is actually changing. Um, so like there's like a different energy 
be around it, and that's like something that's like changing from week to week. So that's like bringing in more uh, reflection of our, our developing imagination through like the subtle changes of digital graphics that we're doing to tell this story. So like as like this class progresses, like in months from now, the portal will continue to activate, and again, like that's a reflection of us intentionally activating it with with our thoughts and with our minds and with our shared vision. So um, yeah, this is all like very very exciting, <laughs> I'd say. So. Um, yeah, okay, does, um, and, and I just want to say, uh, Dominic was just asking, um, Dominic was just asking a few questions in the chat. Dominic, I suggest if you get a chance to go back and check out um, a little bit of the episode earlier, we were just, he was just asking, uh, is, is Dream Recall, is um, he's having difficulty with it, if it has something to do with smoking cannabis, and we were just saying that, yeah, we did talk about that earlier, and either try switching to edibles or not smoking for a bit and noticing... Uh, and um, he's also asking if there are any, any supplements that you found that induce dream states when you pass out and we had talked about um, not necessarily supplements but we had talked about specific plants and again so some of those were cat mint, catnip, uh, valerian root, lemon balm, mugwort and also passion flower and blue lotus and uh, a few other ones, um, and even... I'll add melatonin to that as a I was supplement. about to say melatonin. Because it is a tryptamine. Yeah, and melatonin is something that can be purchased um, at, like, shoppers' drug marts or, you know, pharmacies and, and things like that, usually. Um, and uh, just uh, with with perfect timing, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to uh, our good friend Paul, who just swung into the into the broadcast. So, Paul, how's it, how's it going? Good to see you. <laughs> Go ahead, you can just... Unmute yourself for a second. Yep. Hi, uh, hi guys. How you doing? All good. I've just woken up, so it's uh, six a.m. here. Oh, beautiful! You can see the sun shining through. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> perfect, perfect. We're about to go to sleep. Paul's waking up. As long as that, that's, that's, that's good, we're we're switching shifts here. That's right. You know, it's yeah. just like, we go to sleep. You wake up. The dream is always continuing. So. Yeah. Very much so. Definitely, Shifters. definitely. <laughs> cool guys. Um, okay, so just before we get into the meditation, which we'll do, um, I just want to go over some basic community things. Uh, one of the m main things that I want to mention is that the next broadcast will be on when on. Th uh, okay, that's why I was confused. I was just like, what day are we on? Are we on Tuesday or Wednesday? But it's like past midnight, so yes, now we are on Wednesday. The next live broadcast will be on two on Thursday, June thirtieth, and that will be a paradigm shift admin meeting. Or sorry, not a Paradigm Shift admin meeting. That will just be a regular Paradigm Shift team building uh, hangout. So that will be a place to just allow the conversations to go wherever they need to. Whereas this broadcast is more specific about dream exploration, the Paradigm Shift team building hangouts are really about anything, but also focusing on the creation of conscious media, the ongoing development of the project, creating Paradigm Shift communities, and just a chance to be able to come and talk and practice metaphysical discussion, connect as a community, talk about the projects that we're working on, and just continue to support each other. So that's open to anyone. Anybody can join that. And as you can find the past team building hangouts on the website as well. And then the next week's broadcast, which will be on Thursday, which will be the Paradigm Shift Destiny School, is going to be on the topic of sacred geometry. Um, so that's something that um, we're going to get into, and that will be a little bit more visually based. But we'll, we'll we'll get into some of like the esoterics, symbols of like how sacred geometry appears, what it means, what it is telling us, different cultures that it's appeared in. So I encourage you guys to do a little bit of research 
related to sacred geometry and ancient symbols and feel free to bring that into the presentation for the Paradigm Shift Destiny School which again will be on the Thursday following this Thursday which is my calendar isn't working right now but that would be on the on the 6th on July 6th ish I, I believe so um, just double check that though the event calendar is on the main website and you can find that there uh, other information that I just want to mention with you guys is that earlier in the show you would have mentioned you would have heard me mention um, the uh, the new video that I released as a preview of my experience working with five grams of the sacred mushrooms and I released a secret preview for that um, which is just six minutes of essentially a three hour long documentation and the uh, Six-minute version is found on my YouTube, though it's currently unlisted. So if you want to get the link for that, please just feel free to send me a message on Facebook, and uh, I'll sort of be posting that in a few places just to make sure that it's. Um, I just have to be really like I, honestly, like my reason for this is just I have to be careful to make sure that like my family doesn't blatantly see it. So I'm like, I like that, that's part of why I gotta be like sort of strategic with it. I just gotta like keep it off the radar so like my parents don't see me posting videos about my five gram psychedelic experience. You know, I just I just gotta do it that way. So, but anyways, so the the, the three hour version of it though is actually going to be uploaded tonight, uh, and that is going to be sp available specifically for the members of the page. Patreon, the, the team, the Paradigm Shift Central team Patreon. And the Paradigm Shift te Central team Patreon is doing excellent, and we are almost at our goal of 600 by the end of the month, which is literally just in the next couple days. And you can find that at patreon.com forward slash Brendan Culleton, or just go to paradigmshiftcentral.com forward slash donate, and you'll see a link there to the monthly support squad. And again, so when you sign up for that, it gets you the the um, shifter booster kit which comes with as many shift buttons as you ask for and some free hug signs and all sorts of cool tools to be able to help you accelerate the shift where and gives you the access to some of the um, oh my goodness my thing is glitching out right now can you guys still hear me sorry can okay hold on yeah still hold, hear you. hold on so... okay yes. yeah no it's just like my my computer's like running out of RAM right now, and honestly, like this window just completely glitched out on me. So this is uh, huh, okay. Um, very peculiar indeed. Um, you guys can still hear me though. Just confirming. Yeah, still hear. Maybe. Still. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because I yes, my windows. Yes, yes. Thanks, guys. Yeah, my window's like totally glitched out. Like I can't see buttons on the inside of the screen anymore. Okay, that's awesome. All right, so um. That's so weird, but we'll try to make do. And like, I can't see the button to like stop the broadcast right now. It's like a blank screen with like half my like camera available. So weird. Yeah, that's it was just because my computer's running out of RAM apparently because I tried to open up a new window. Um, nonetheless, so it was still running and that's important. So um, again, I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone signed up for the team Patreon and remind you guys if you want to be able to continue to help support the ongoing free broadcast of this project to sign up for the team Patreon for as little as three dollars a month and get the shifter booster kit which comes with as many shift buttons as you ask for and as I mentioned the exclusive access to the three hour documentation of my journey with five grams of psychedelic sacred mushrooms so very cool to be able to use that as a way to be able to help support the entire community and right now we are at about 500 and 80 and again working up to about 600 by the end of the month and then our next goal for that will be up to 700 by the end of July and the funds from that just help us to be able to help support the ongoing aspects related to the project including production and the 
it, like ultimately awesome aspects of the project, which will include more free shift buttons for the community and the Paradigm Shift Love Tour and supporting the Journey to Lucidity movies. And I'll just mention this now. I'm going to do as best as I can to be able to get Journey to Lucidity 3 online before my birthday. So that's literally in like less than, in, in just about 18 days. My birthday is on July 18th. I'm going to do as best as I can to get a version online. And again, that early version will be exclusive to the team Patreon members as well. So if you want to get the early access to that, know. then... You can sign up for that. Sorry, what's that, Andrew? Are you a Leo? Uh, I am a Cancer, so okay. July yeah, 18th. 26th. So. Oh, right on. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, so I'm right on the cusp of Leo, so totally cool. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of Cancer, I just want to give a special shout-out. It was my mom's birthday yesterday, so happy birthday, Mom. I love you. <laughs> it's funny, because I give a shout-out to her in my, like, psychedelic experience video, so... <laughs> Anyways, okay guys, um, so again, thank you so much. Much love to everyone signing up for the Team Patreon. Do that when you can. Help us be able to create an epic project ongoing into the future and supporting all the people who we are not even connected with. So conscious media, free conscious media, you guys know it. And this is uh, some awesome stuff that we got going on here. So with that said, um, let me just check in. Does anybody else have any questions or anything that they would like to mention for the community at this point? Um, and then we'll get into our Closing meditation. Uh, only as your mum's one of my fans say, I thought you said hi. Oh. <laughs> okay, Paul says hi to my mum. Cool. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah, my computer's just like really glitched out right now, but this is so peculiar. Okay. Um, all right. That's all right. We'll make do. Okay, guys. So um, with that said, let's just go into our closing meditation and then we'll be wrapping up this broadcast. And again, reminding everyone that the recording for this will be online afterwards, and please continue to share this with your friends, either this episode or go back and listen to past episodes. And definitely go back and listen to the global meditation that we did of the Transformational Festival Dream Journey. And uh, yeah, that was a really good one. So, Okay, guys, so let's just go into a short, very short meditation. So I just invite everyone to get nice and still. Just relax their shoulders. Just straighten up their spine, just as if someone's pulling a little string from the top of your head. And reflecting again, what we're doing is taking a moment to bring our attention to visually directing our imagination, to intentionally directing our imagination to bring ourselves into the presence of this dream tree space so that we continue to create it put energy towards it, and return to it within the dream space. So let's just begin with a simple connection to the breath. So gentle inhales through the nose, and gentle exhales through the nose or the mouth. And again, gentle inhales through the nose, and gentle exhales. And just connecting with the rhythm of your breath, allowing the inhale to slowly move in, and the exhale to slowly move out. And we'll slowly bring our awareness to our imagination as we bring ourselves into the presence of a field. And the tree is off in the distance. And so let's just bring our sensations 
into the dirt underneath our feet and feeling the grass on the tips of our fingers and feeling the winds gently cooling our skin and feeling the sun gently warming our body. And from here, let's actually float our way towards the tree. So gently allowing ourselves to imagine lifting our feet up out of the dirt and then gently floating ourselves towards the tree. And as we do, we see the tree take form. And this tree can look whatever it needs to look like for you, as magical as you want to make it. And as you get closer to the tree, you can gently just float your way around it. And above the tree, you observe the paradigm shift sigil, again, looking like a portal, a north star, a beacon. And you see an aura around both the tree and the sigil. And so just imagining, putting your intention towards visualizing what this tree looks like, what this space looks like in this moment, making the tree as magical as you choose. And slowly we'll drift our way towards the tree. And as we do, we'll gently bring our feet back onto the ground. And even taking a moment here to just acknowledge the presence of others around the tree and just acknowledging ourselves around the tree. And so to make things a little interesting, we'll collectively imagine ourselves all here together as one, standing in a circle around the tree. And then together, we'll gently imagine ourselves holding hands with the person next to us, another shifter from another part of the dream, here together in the shared imagination. And standing around the tree, just take a moment to look at it, and everywhere you look at it, just adding focus to it. So you acknowledge the bark of the tree, you acknowledge the leaves of the tree, you see the leaves moving. And then what we'll do is we'll move ourselves into group hugging the tree. And so just slowly walking our way closer to the tree, open your own arms, open your own heart, and just allow yourselves to hug the tree, to connect with the tree, having your chest against it. And just being able to imagine everyone doing the same, so imagining the trunk being as big as it needs to be for everyone to just be gathered around this tree, though numbers are just arbitrary at this point. And then what we'll do here is we'll just add some extra love and manifestation and intention into this moment by simply doing a group OM together a few times, allowing the OM to carry our intention of solidifying, crystallizing this space within our shared imaginations. So together as we're hugging the tree before we own, just take a moment here to acknowledge the texture of it. 
feeling the texture of the trunk on your chest, on your arms, and even just on your face. And you can even just imagine yourself gently placing your forehead, your third eye against the tree and just expressing your gratitude to it in the same way you would hug any tree of any forest, just thanking it for standing tall, for standing strong, and for teaching us more about ourselves. And so together here, let's just take a simple breath in and out, and then after that we'll just do a shared OM together. So another gentle breath. feeling the heartbeat of the tree, feeling the heartbeat of the group, feeling your heartbeat as the heartbeat of the tree. And so with one more inhale, we'll begin with a group OM and I encourage you to either OM either internally or vocalize it as much as you're comfortable with. So gentle inhale, and om oh. taking another breath here and as we do that just imagining a, sen a sense of gold light filling the tree as a reflection of our intention filling it with love filling it with our gratitude solidifying it into this shared dream space. And so reminding ourselves that the OM carries our intention, and our intention in this is gratitude and crystallization. So we'll do two more OMs. So again, gentle inhale, and exhale OM. And one more. Inhale. Exhale. Om. Oh. Good. And just take another moment here, connecting with the tree, still having your forehead up against it if you choose even just hugging it a little bit tighter, expressing your gratitude to it, hugging it as if it is your friend, your family, because it is. And even just giving it a gentle kiss if you choose to, just to show your appreciation. And then from here, gently, when you're ready, stepping back from the tree. And you take another moment here to acknowledge those who have gathered around the tree with you, seeing the other shifters, looking them in the eyes, acknowledging them, the fellow dreamers within the dream. And then from here, we'll simply just allow ourselves to do what feels right for us and allowing the story to be left open for how you choose to continue it beyond this moment within your own practice, within your own dream space. So I just invite you to slowly allow yourself to imagine simply standing under the tree or choosing to sit, 
and returning into a place of meditation within this meditation. And with another few gentle breaths, we'll slowly bring our awareness back into this physical reality as we conclude the short meditation. So still imagine yourself at the tree so that you can imagine yourself returning to the tree in the place which you are now, where you are now. So again, just connecting with gratitude, just taking another moment to look up at the tree, appreciating being underneath its leaves, feeling the energy of it, feeling the pulse being sent of it, calling in the other dreamers to this shared space of gathering in celebration. And so let's just take a couple more breaths. And gratitude. And slowly, when you're ready, you can gently bring your awareness back to your physical body by wiggling your toes and your fingers. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes, return your awareness to the space around you. Cool. Well, thanks again, guys. And um, yeah, every time we sort of do that little meditation, it's a little bit different. Um, I didn't really go too, too in-depth with that one. Uh, I sort of just sort of kind of scratched the surface, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, again, you know, just thank you so much, guys, for taking the moment to add your energy to that. And again, so imagine that dream tree as you fall asleep. And then when you become lucid in a dream, like even train yourself to this, to do this in the waking state, like try teleporting to the dream tree because that's something you can do within your dreams. You can teleport places just by thinking about it. You know, you can be like, I want to go to the, the pyramids of Egypt. You can teleport there. You can be brought there. So you can be like, to the dream tree. And then you bring yourself there. So it's it's something that we can work towards. And again, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to, to meet each other there. So... Um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Harmony and uh, her little ones. Um, you guys are beautiful. My, my, honestly, my computer's glitching out. I can't really see everyone properly, but I can I can see you guys there. So, hello, little ones. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome to see the family getting involved with the uh, with the dream exploration process. So, you guys inspire me. Cool. Um, so, just just open up the microphone if you, if you guys have anything to share, even just anything about. Um, that that practice, uh, even just that short meditation. If there's anything specific, please feel free to yeah. jump in and anything. I want to steal it before anyone else. I'm sorry. I want to steal this before anyone. Yeah, else. go go, go for it, Kyle. <clears throat> the tree, the tree, man. Actually, tree, doing, man. doing that, but the trees, man. No, <laughs> doing that right there. I bring totally going to the tree, connecting with the person that I put there meditating. Connecting with that meditating me at the tree in the meditation brings me back to such to such a, a nice place within this reality. It taps me into the right the right frequency, um, and and this has been my my big thing lately is tapping into the highest frequency dimension the highest aspect of thought process with the purest intention that you possibly can each day. And going to the tree in that place that we created together does that 
on a level that's I was like very, very grand, and I was just reminded of it. Because lately, you know, for the past couple of days and through the weekend, I've had to do some, do a lot of hard work. Doing a lot of hard work can put you, you know, you got to do a lot of decompressing. After you do hard work, you have a lot of decompressing to do before you can bring yourself back to that, okay, state where you can be calm, balanced, and, and cool. But going to the paradigm tree and connecting to the to the you that's meditating there, the you that's there, you know. Mm -hmm. Connecting to the, going there and sitting at the tree and meditating there brings me back to the right dimension, the right plane of thought, the right frequency uh, and intensity of, of vibration and the level of vibration and frequency, everything. Mm -hmm. That's so... Perfectly on point, and I love what we're doing here, man. Cool, man. Yeah, and and definitely, like I, I really appreciate you sharing that because you know, like for people who during the day, like feel free to use that tree as an anchor to bring you into a place of like calmness and in your own little Zen garden, or you know, like like your own little happy place, like in you know, Happy Gilmore or whatever, like that. You know, go to your happy place, and it's like go to the dream tree and just like chill out there for a minute. You know, and, and and literally, like, if you can feel a presence of energy, like, that's not just you, like, making it up. Like, that's literally because, like, all of us are, like, collectively, like, anchoring our energy into that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. like, it's it's a very exciting idea. And, um, yeah, it's only going to get more exciting as the project continues to unfold. And we're still just in the early stages of it. But I really feel like, you know, like, this is something that we're almost approaching from, like, a scientific idea in the sense of you know like there's 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 an objective to this there's something that can be verified and, yeah. and down the road it will be verified and yeah again for me like that's a big motivation behind wanting to be able to achieve lucidity so that I can consciously be in that place where I'm just like okay I'm lucid what do I want to do I want to go to the dream tree you know and then to like yeah. be able to repeat that and then to be able to see what happens because like believe me guys there's a bigger story going on here and the dream space is like asking for our presence yes. like there, there are things that like need our attention and it's not just at the dream tree it, it goes deeper than that and again that's that's the story that we're still opening up to so yeah so thanks well, again we'll Kyle I appreciate it <clears throat> Paul go ahead well, yeah I was just going to say well, you know the whole thing, you know, the dream tree, the whole thing of trees. Trees are, in the ancient knowledge, trees are spiritual beings permanently in meditation. Uh, mm. You've said it before, the, the trees, as, as above, so below. The tree is a, is a universal sign that for the, the Torah field, the sacred geometry of mm -hmm. the roots going down into the earth, uh, connecting with Gaia, the yin, You've got the, the branches reaching out towards the heaven. You've got continuous circulation of, of yin and yang, which combines, creates tai chi. So, mm. it's, yeah, it's the, the Torah field. So when you're connecting with your dream tree, you're connecting with the, the path, the bridge between the... Yes, I see it's on your back. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're connecting with... The, the the spiritual you're connecting with the dream world and the real world be because um, lots of different societies have said it but um, what, what the Taoist one of the Taoist things they say is 
what is the difference between this reality and the dream reality? And their belief is there isn't. Is they're both they're both illusions. They're both connections. Um, so lucidity, uh, uh, being lucid in your dreams, but being also lucid in reality, may, being the creator of your own reality, both in the dream world and this world. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's all love. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Like, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine us gathering around anything other than a tree as, as a first idea. Like, trees just, yeah, like, they're such, they're such central. They're so pivotal to, to this whole journey. So, yeah. Um, anybody else would have anything to say? Um, yeah. Andrew, Ali, Andrew, go ahead. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, after the first few steps, I found myself like three steps ahead of everything you said. <laughs> um, so like you would say something, but I had already done it like three steps ahead of the time, and it was like I was already there. Like especially when like everyone was connecting hands, like I had already started to do that, and yeah. I just I wasn't doing it intentionally. I was just kind of following along with what was going on in my mental imagery, but. I would do something, and then that was something that, like, you would say, like, three steps later. That's fine. Uh, I was interested in the um, the uh, sigil that you created, um, the, mm-hmm. the pillars of uh, Boaz and Yakin. Mm-hmm. Um, like, where was the inspiration for that? Where did that come from? This, the sigil itself, um, yeah, like, that's... Uh, the Paradigm Shift sigil is something that, that more or less came to me um, about, like, seven eight years ago before the project officially started and um, yeah like it, it was something that like I just like began doodling and it just sort of evolved over time and then it, it's something that is honestly like still revealing itself to me uh, as the project continues to unfold. There's a lot of Masonic symbology, symbolism mm-hmm. in it. Um, my, my family history goes way back. My um, great-great-grandfather was the um, Lord Mayor of the City Corporation of London, and also the the head Masonic, uh, the Grand Master of the City Corporation of London, um, and also the French Temple of the Orient, and almost every elder and man in my family is Masonic, so I have a bit of education yeah. in that, but I'm not part of that group. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that London, UK, or London, Canada? By no, chance? London, England. London, London England. England. So back yeah. then, that was yeah. around the like just the end of the 1700s, and um, yeah, Andrew. Um, many people I'll don't realize it. it is a corporation. Yeah, yeah it is a corporation yeah. of a various sort of sort of sort of different symbol sim, symbolic um, traditions. Yeah. Which is a topic for another time, definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Like that's again, like that's that's like something that again, you know, I, I created this this sigil like just like intuitively, and then over time, I'm just like, holy shit, you know, like there's a lot of stuff in this. So I mean, it's something more or less that's like ancient and futuristic at the same time. And um, yeah, I always ask people because there's not just one answer to it, but I always ask people, what do they see in it? You know, so I mean, for myself, it, it is like some of the obvious things of uh, some of the words I use for it are, yeah, like a beacon, a portal, a stargate. It's, it's bringing people together. And the exciting thing is that, yes, it carries energy to it. So um, I don't know if you saw me on the, on the weekend, Andrew, but I was like walking around with a banner of the sigil. Um, but it, like, yeah, like some people would just like see it and they'd just be like, like, whoa, like what is that? Like, you know, and, and so it's just like a thing that's catching people's eyes and just by them seeing it, they're actually 
subconsciously like downloading the information associated with the energy of this project, which is why it's like such a powerful idea to be able to work with sigils um, within our shared dream imagination. So yes, we have the tree, and then the sigil it's there, and and even though we're not always like thinking about it, it is like again like this like anchor that's helping like create a gravitational field for for our energy to centralize around um, but again you know like we'll, we'll get more into that uh, the mystery and, and the excitement related to the paradigm shift sigil because it is a huge part of this project moving forward so yeah um, yeah no thanks for bringing that up Andrew uh, okay so again getting close to wrapping this up does anybody else have any any closing comments or thoughts um, again um, honestly my Brendan just one quick thing is that KJ yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My thing's so glitched out yeah. right now. I can't see anything. Go ahead. You were going like we talked a lot about this throughout the uh, evening, but um, I, the one word I didn't hear mentioned with respect to frequencies and sounds is cymatics. Mm. And so, like, we don't have time to talk about it now, but definitely cymatics is relating to the dream state and you know working with mantras and working with frequencies and uh, understanding that you know matter is nothing other than vibrational energy mm -hmm. yes so just yes. Ne next time we get onto that topic we should um, I meant to say more about it earlier but the oming and the mantra work and the frequency work uh, that's like that is extremely important with respect to um, yeah. Just, just separating the soul from the body, and then that, of course, that goes back to dreams, right? Out of body experiences. Yeah, that that can be uh, that can be a great topic to bring into the uh, team building hangouts uh, this Thursday, actually, if it doesn't, if it if it comes up there. So yeah, no, I agree. Somatics is like such a awesome like thing to connect a lot of ideas through. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, any anybody else? Uh, any again? Just like thoughts, comment, feedback. Um, I hope you guys all had fun tonight. Did you guys? Did you guys have fun tonight? Did you guys learn a couple things? Yeah, I just wanted to. Alright, thank thank you for running into me. Like, uh, yes. Time. Thank you, man. <laughs> I'm glad we planned it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and honestly, Andrew, yeah, thank you for, for, for joining in with us. It's, it's been a pleasure having you contribute. So. Um, okay, so just double-checking, guys, because um, I can't see, like, who's muting and unmuting, but anybody else have anything else they want to share? Even just, uh, like, a moment of gratitude or anything? I know I, I really appreciate you guys being here, so. I really appreciate being here. I think this is a lot of fun. I think more mm -hmm. people should get involved with what they're you know, yeah, on their yeah. spiritual side. Definitely. Yeah, it's good to incorporate that in your life <clears throat> every day. Yeah. We and are again, spiritual beings in a human experience. Totally, totally. Yeah, and definitely, again, you know, for the people listening to the recording of this, always inviting you to be involved with future broadcasts, be it team, team, be it team building hangouts, be it dream classes, be it definitely school, or be it the Paradigm Shift admin hangouts, which, again, you know, like, I know we didn't mention at the start, but, like, a big part of this project is encouraging people to create the physical Paradigm Shift communities where they are, which, again, focus on the ongoing open-minded discussion meditation groups. So that's something we want to be able to help encourage people to get involved with as well. So digital and physical space is such an important thing within this ongoing story. So... Cool. Um, okay, Any, anybody else? Um, if not, then we are ready to wrap this up. So 
with that said, I, I believe we are ready to wrap this up, and I'm going to try and end the broadcast, even though, like, honestly, guys, you have no idea how glitched out my screen is right now. Like, I can't see where the stop broadcast button is, so I'm just, like, shooting in the dark here. But I'm just going to click around until I get it eventually. But nonetheless, we are we are ready to, to wrap this up. So, again, thank you so <laughs> much, care, everyone, everyone. For, for being a part of this. And, uh, again, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash SkullBabylon. Go to paradigmshiftcentral.com, browse more of the website, sign up, create your own Quest Journal to practice documenting your spiritual journey. Tune in for future broadcasts. Check out previous ones. Continue the conscious conversations where you are. The team Patreon links are on the website. Keep it shifty. And as always, we shall see you guys in the future. So everyone, join me in saying farewell to the internet. So let's unmute ourselves and say goodbye and wrap this party up and go to sleep. So good night, everyone. Goodbye. Good night. Love you guys. Until next time, everyone. All right, guys. We love you, and we'll see you at the tree. So until next time, guys, peace, one love, and as I said, see you in the future. And stopping broadcast. Did it stop? Did I click the stop button? No, we're still live. Is it a stop button yet? Still live. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.